Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Just thinking off the top of my head, years ago, and probably still today as I'm speaking, there probably are interpub dart competitions. They were very big. I'm quite sure they're still thriving. I wonder what pub in Cork City, suburbs or county, you say there's an interpub championship. What pub is the uh, the best at winning the inter-darts pubs championship? Text 0868104106. They're certainly getting a new lease of life. I'd say Santa Claus will be bringing a few um, dartboards next Christmas or indeed for the birthday presents. Um, on, ser- on a serious note, uh, the issues regarding, regarding drug debt on side is at an all-time high. There's a front page and inside page story making the echo today and it makes for harrowing reading, particularly uh, one or two of the stories of young people who remained anonymous talking to the Echo about their drug debt to various drug dealers. And I'll come back to a couple of those examples in in a little while. But the headline says that there's now extreme levels of intimidation, not just against people who owe debt to drug dealers, but also to their family members. So the debt now uh, can be transferred over to families. And a lot of the time, families have to go and source money to pay off the debt. So Cork families losing their life savings and their family homes and even grieving their relatives who've taken their own lives as a result of not necessarily the drugs or the drug addiction, uh, but the drug-related debt um, because of intimidation by dealers. It's uh, it's horrific. It's a front and inside page story making the echo. I'll come back to that in a, in a few minutes' time. But you know what? With uh, the numbers announced during the week that there are 13,000 people recorded as homeless, that doesn't include people who are desperate to get their own home uh, and it doesn't accurately portray the amount of people who are back living at home or sofa surfing or back in the spare bedroom or you know mothers and fathers who have taken a son or a daughter back with, with, with children, whatever the case may be. But in spite of all of that, the Examiner reports this morning that 1,100 social houses in Cork are stalled at various stages of the planning process. Not just planning, but some of them are partly built and just remain sitting there, partly completed. So that's awfully bad news. It really and truly is, because these are the kind of things that should be fast-tracked and should be built very, very quickly, as opposed to having 1,100 social houses in Cork City stalled at various stages of the planning process. There's a front pager making the echo today. There is good news, as I endeavour to try and find it. And one of the good news stories, well, there's a few of them. I don't know whether you know it or not, but heating oil is down from the 200 euro peak, the bad old days last year and indeed the year before. So that's got to be a good thing. And there are more cuts on the way uh, with regards to utilities uh, and uh, energy costs and what have you. And on top of all of that, then, you're going to notice and you should notice and you should be shopping around because supermarket prices are being slashed and there's a bit of a grocery war going on at the moment and Aldi and uh, to a larger extent Aldi and others then like like Lidl I suppose the big battle anyway between Aldi and Lidl all of the time they're in a big uh, price war at the moment slashing hundreds of items on their everyday ranges in fact Aldi are quoted in the mail this morning as saying that they've reduced up to 23% a lot of the prices down 23% and they say in a typical a typical trolley, I'm assuming that would be what we'd call a full shop. It could be from uh, uh, maybe 121 euro down to about 105, 106 euro. So there's a big difference of 25, 26 euro. And then they break down all of the different things. I haven't got time to go into them now, but they talk about all of the different price comparisons and where they've been cut, fruit, 
vegetables, uh, things like that, uh, right across um, uh, stuff involving, uh, you know, chicken fillets and meat and frozen foods and things like that. Um, other stories that are making the papers today include, uh, well, one has to do with the Taunishta and the other has to do with the Taoiseach. One of them is in the newspapers and the other isn't. The one involving the Taoiseach is the fact that Leah Varadkar has been receiving lots of messages of support from the public after he led the charge uh, to cut benefits for Ukrainian refugees. Um, one person apparently was quoted in a message to the Taoiseach saying, we are not the Catholic missions. Uh, but anyway, um, they also talked talk about the figures that were uh, slashed it's an effort to reduce the number of Ukrainians arriving into the country, I couldn't put it any more bluntly like that, the idea is to slow down the amount of people coming in by reducing the welfare from 220 a week to 38.80 other countries paying off a lot less like in Belgium it's as low as 7 euro 90 a week and the mail remind us us of that uh, on their inside pages today, the other story involving the Taunishta Michal Martin is that um, Boyle Sports have now, this isn't in the papers this morning, it was a press release that was sent to me by Boyle Sports, but uh, Michal Martin, um, he's never come out and said that he wants to be president, uh, but Boyle Sports have cut the odds now on uh, Michal Martin succeeding Michael D. Higgins. He was um, uh, 12 to 1, he's now been shortened to 8 to 1. He's not the favourite, not by any stretch of the imagination just yet. Moraid McGuinness is number 1. Um, and uh, who else is in there? Bertie O'Hearn is also running. Conor McGregor has said that he'd be half interested in it as well. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, but uh, Micheál Martin um, could well be, um, you know, somebody that needs to be taken seriously as a presidential contender. What would you make of that, incidentally, uh, Micheál Martin, uh, for president? Text 0868104106. We've had, we've had uh, a cork a Taoiseach, why not a Cork president? But anyway, it's Maureen McGuinness followed by Fergus Finlay, Fergus followed by Micheál Martin, Bertie Hearn, Miriam O'Callaghan, who has already said uh, that she's not interested in running for the job. So we'll have to see what happens in that regard. Micheál Martin for president? Text at 0868104106. Papers this morning. Also, I should have mentioned this when I was talking about the uh, supermarket stories. You know this new recycling um, thingamajigger that's happening where you will have to, if you want to get your money back, because you're going to be charged extra now for a lot of plastic bottles and different cans. You're going to be charged an extra amount of money now at the retailers. So the only way you're going to make that money back is by bringing those products back. So all of the papers this morning are talking about this canny scheme as they talk it. Uh, and then other things uh, that we find quite challenging, uh, whether it's recycling or indeed uh, getting the car NCT'd. I love that story in this morning's Irish Independent. It, we, we know of the delays, right? And we know uh, that it takes forever, like four or five months if you don't try and fast track it by trying to get a cancellation before you can get yourself an NCT test. But it's interesting the way the um, the um, independent this morning look at the different locations um, and uh, talk about the amount of cars that pass or fail. Um, and apparently 840,000 cars passed in 2023, but nearly an equal amount, 750,000 of them failed in 2023. So there's like one and a half million vehicles uh, given full NCT tests last year. And I think it's fair to say that about 45% of them failed. But what I love about this is they tell the reasons, the male, main failing reasons. Steering and suspension is the number one reason for people failing or their cars failing the NCT. Lighting and electrical issues, I suppose, indicators and brake lights and stuff like that comes in after that. Other ones that uh, have issues for the NCT leading to a fail include wheels and tyres, and faulty brakes. And then they look at the cars, apparently, uh, that are best with regards to passing the NCT. The number one car to pass a test in the NCT is Porsche, 
followed by Lexus, followed by Seat, followed by Land Rover, and followed by Hyundai. But the ones that fail, the most recorded NCT fails in Ireland, Chevrolets, Chryslers, Citrons, Daihatsus, and Sabs. So now you have it. Um, a lot of people actually decide, some people get pre-tests, don't they, for the NCT? Um, I'm wondering, is that the smart thing to do? Um, would it make more, I suppose it is from a safety point of view, and then you get the car tested. But others then believe you should just get it tested so that the NCT tell you what's wrong, and you can get those things done, and you save some money in that regard. Um, talking about driving, um, if you're over 75, then you need a medical report to obtain a renewed uh, licence. More and more people, particularly of that age group, were quoted in this morning's Independent this morning, saying that asking people or requiring or insisting on a medical report and probably an optician's report as well is ageist and it should not be needed and it should be abolished. Other things that involve uh, lifestyle choices include a story in the English Times this morning saying that plant-based food is no healthier than meat-based food. So you'd be primarily talking about burgers here um, or, I I don't know, things that resemble meat or, or chicken to a large extent. Um, um, but anyway, a lot of it would have been deemed as being healthier. It isn't, apparently, according to scientists. There's no health benefits whatsoever, but probably better for the planet and the environment and more animal-friendly, I suppose. Um, and I love this ongoing uh, weekly um, uh, podcast that uh, um, Roy Keane does with uh, his bunch of sporting fam- fam pals, including uh, Ian Wright and Jimmy Carragher and... Uh, and uh, and Neville and the gang. Apparently, they had a guest on the the show. The it's on you know it's on it's on social media on a weekly basis. It's a it's a YouTube channel. But they had uh, Rory McElroy on the show there recently earlier in the week. And apparently, McElroy told the story of how he approached Keane when he was a young boy and a huge Manchester United fan back in the day. And he approached him at the Port Marnock Links Hotel. The Irish team were there in training camp apparently. Uh, and he asked Roy Keane. <laughs> he asked Roy Keane for an autograph. And Keane looked down and he said, "Not today." kid. So I'm not saying there was a confrontation on it, but they came up and they had a good laugh about it. Apparently Roy Keane said worse the effect of the only thing I remember about that hotel was that there were always kids hanging around annoying the players. And I thought to myself, here's another one. Um, I suppose he also then went on to say that he understands um, that, you know, it can make somebody's day and a kid's day or indeed their entire life if they get a handshake or indeed a selfie or a photograph from their hero. Uh, but over and over again, I think maybe back in those days, I suppose, it was autographs. Now they're plagued by selfies. Um, I see one paragraph in the article says, Ian Wright asked McElroy if he ever turned anyone down himself with regards to an autograph. It wasn't the most straightforward response from McElroy. He said, "He said it's hard to please everyone, which probably would indicate uh, that he um, has turned down a few himself. Do you have a sign up at home saying, beware of the dog? We're not talking about barking dogs. We could talk about barking dogs, living next door with barking dogs whatever all day long, but beware of the dog signs, right? Um, insurers are warning people, according to the Irish Daily Mail this morning, that you should never put up one of those signs on the gate or on the door or on the window or whatever the case may be. Beware of the dog, enter at your own risk, because it's literally telling burglars uh, that um, you have something that's very much worth stealing. So beware of the dog. That message will be taken down. You're not, not, and not only for your postman, but also um, if you're hoping to deter burglars, you're making a big mistake. 
Telling passers-by that you own a guard dog patrolling the property means that you have valuables worth stealing. Um, I just pass it on for what it's worth. We see those signs. A lot of the time people have those signs, but they ain't got no dog. Uh, And the papers also then today talk about one of the most important things in our lives. Yes, diet's important, exercise is important, but quality of sleep is important too. We all have apps now telling us about the different qualities of our sleep. The mail in this morning is saying that those of you that are in your 30s and 40s should be taking your sleeping patterns very, very seriously because it will lead, they claim, to serious memory loss in later life. I'm just saying. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prendeville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. One of the case histories that makes the echo this morning with regards to drug debts hitting families is the story of a person who got into huge debt himself on more than one occasion. He wished to remain anonymous, but he told the echo that it was a drug dealer who initially suggested he'd give him the drugs on credit and then the debt build up and then the intimidation started. He said, the beginning, I was buying it for cash uh, and then one of my dealers offered to me on tick Uh, And at the start, I was able to manage it, but I ended up having to pay back a lot of tick to several different dealers. Now, tick is the amount of money that you build up when you include the debt and the interest. I wasn't able to pay them. I would end up dodging whichever one I thought would be the least harsh. Uh, But they all found out that I owed them all money. And that's when the threats started. Some of them would be calling to the door. My mum answered sometimes and she'd be petrified. She didn't have the money either, but they just kept calling. They threatened that I was going to be dragged out of my house, put into the back of a car and brought to a field. They threatened to break the windows of the house and smash up my car. One of them sent me a picture of two knives and asked, which one would you like me to end you with? He went on to say that he kept missing the payments and the amounts that they were asking for went up and up and up. It ended up with his mother then getting loans from friends. He says, I was nearly up to 11 grand in debt. I had no way to pay it. And that wouldn't have been the original amount at all. It would keep on mounting the debt every single day of every single week. 11 grand. And he said, that's when I had to leave the family home. He said that the dealers were offering a cash reward to anyone who could supply them with an address where they could find me, he says. I stayed with my uncle. He gave me the 11 grand to pay them off. And even after that, I went and made the mistake again. And I got into another six grand of debt and I had to sell my car to clear it off. He said, I built up more than €7,000 in debt uh, and uh, then ended up eventually going to an addiction treatment centre. Now, that's just one case history in particular. Uh, Tommy Gould, the Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, and this is probably an area uh, where perhaps this uh, young man came from because we do seem to have a very big problem with uh, drug debt on both sides of the Lee, but it also means that it isn't exclusively a Southside problem. So with that in mind, Tommy Gould is quoted in the Echo this morning. He joins me by phone. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. First of all, Neil, I just want to wish yourself, the staff and all your listeners a happy new year. And many happy Uh, returns. And just into this case, that that case was got by the the Evening Echo reporter. So I'm not even sure where that family come from, but what that no, I, I know that, but I'm talking to you as a representative of Cork North Central, bearing in mind that there probably is much of a problem in your locality as there is south and east and west of the city. That's that's all I'm saying. But that's only one case history, though, isn't it? There probably are many. Yes. I can say, no, Neil, that's, that's not unusual, the description that that person 
unfortunately went through how people are given drugs, they build up debts, and then these drug dealers call to the family home, intimidate the individual and their families. And what happens is you see people who have life savings paying it out. Other people have to go to the banks or credit union, or I know of cases where families have come together and brothers, sisters, parents, uncles and aunts have all chipped in to help clear the debt. Uh, it's just, it's a tragedy for the families involved. And, like, unfortunately, there's a report that was just out before Christmas from the Gary that shows another increase in 2023 on drug intimidation. And it's been on a constant increase. And I suppose from my point of view, what the girls are saying is getting worse. But what I'm seeing on the ground and talking to people in other parts of Cork and other TDs nationally, this is on the increase okay. right across the whole state. Okay, you're quoted in the, in the Echo this morning as saying that in the last 18 months, uh, there have been people who have taken their own lives as a result of intimidation over drug debts that they can't pay back. We, we'll never know the accurate figures for that, of course, but you believe that that is a reality, that people are ending their lives because of this? Well, unfortunately, Neil, I know of three families who've lost their sons tragically through suicide, as a result of intimidation, um, I've taken this up with the guards. The, the problem for the guards is, is families don't come to them. And I suppose this is a really sensitive subject. And I know here we are looking at the 2024. And for this Christmas and this New Year's, for those families, this has just been, uh, it was traumatising and probably heartbreaking that they've lost loved ones. And I, I know some of those families personally. And... Like these are these are well-educated people from good families. These were with good jobs. See, sometimes people think of people in addiction as being kind of maybe down and out, but these are people who got into drug taking uh, because of um, recreational drugs. So, but we would be talking about people running up drug debts for things like cannabis, upwards to cocaine, amphetamines, and possibly even heroin debt. Well, the one that seems to be most prevalent at the moment only is cocaine. Right. Cocaine is, there seems to be a huge surge of cocaine, both locally and nationally. Now, obviously, you'd have uh, heroin, you'd have other uh, drugs involved, but cocaine seems to be the one. And especially if you're working, for a lot of people who are working, and they would have, especially younger people who would have disposable income, um, this might be something they would do on the weekend or a night out. But unfortunately for some people, then they spiral and they go into throes of addiction and then uh, their wages aren't enough to pay for the, the drugs and then they get into debt. wonder what and kind of interest is charged. I mean, at one stage, this, this lad owed 11 grand. Um, his uncle paid it off. Then bizarrely, he went back and, this is probably another question for you, he went back and he ran up another 7,000 in debt after the 11 grand was paid off. Yeah, but Neil, you know yourself. If you're if you're on the tours of addiction, right? Just because someone clears a debt doesn't mean you stop. And that's not just with drugs. That's with drinking, with gambling. When people are addicts, it's not until they can get into treatment, like this young man did, mm. that they can get into recovery, that they're able to maybe break the cycle. Mm. But like I've known families who've had to go multiple times to clear the debts of their loved ones because 
I've seen and heard about the intimidation, people's cars being attacked, people's work vans being vandalised, uh, calling to their doors. Uh, I know of a case where they put a dead rat in the person's left the box, another left the box to pour them petrol. Like I, I've had people contacting me from both the, the all parts of the city and the county, and the advice I've always given them was to speak to the girls, because the Gardaí have specialist training to deal with this. And you see, the problem is people are afraid to go to the girls because it's a member of their family who's taking drugs. Now, the girls are looking to do, to convict that person they're taking drugs. Okay. They're looking to stop yeah. intimidation. So it, it, would be, would it, be, it wouldn't be a far stretch to say that at least some of the more bizarre incidents that we hear of, as you say, cars being vandalised, burned out, um, shotguns being fired, um, houses being petrol bombed, could be related to drug debt. Oh no, they are related to drug debt. No, we're not saying all of them, but because we wonder why in the name of God is this happening? What I'm saying is it possibly is because of drug debt. Well, I know in certain cases, definitely there are cases where this is because of drug intimidation. And do, do, do we hear then whether or not the actual dealers who are owed these vast amounts of money, do they ever follow up with, with violence? I mean, the intimidation is one thing, but does it ever get physical? Um, do, or do you know? Yes, I've heard of cases where it has gotten physical, where people had been beaten up, where people had been stabbed. I know another case where a Stanley knife, a person was attacked with a Stanley knife, and another guy where the case was attacked with a samurai sword, you know. It, like, this is kind of stuff you read and you see in the, the, the TV or in the movies, yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah. The level of intimidation, Neil, and one of the points I'd made previous when speaking to Gardy, some of the local girls have told me on the ground that some of the, some of the local cock gangs have links now with gangs in Dublin. And, like, you see the viciousness that goes on in Dublin and... One of the major concerns I had is that that would be exported to cost. You know, that's a really concern for me, and that's the point I made to the girls, that like, things are bad in cost, but they're not a fraction compared to what's going on in mm-hmm. Dublin, and we don't want to see that on our street. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a case then of families then having to intervene. Um, the article talks about people having to spend their entire life savings or... Would they be taken out maybe a credit union loan? You you talk about families chipping together trying to come up with the money, is it? Well, you see, Neil, sometimes like that that story in the Echo revealed that guy who had seven thousand, then there were six. Like I've no cases up to early twenties where people had run up massive debts. And then also you don't know what level of interest that the drug dealer was putting on them, you know? So like it's not that it's nine percent or 20%, like, they can charge and do what they want because once they have the initial debt, they have the person, like, they have their claws yeah. into them yeah. then. So somebody and that owes, say, I have a case here which I'll read in a minute, which is a drug debt that ran upwards of €30,000 to uh, to different dealers. Um, let's say if that lad, it was a young lad, legged it to Australia, the debt doesn't go away, they'll just turn to family to collect it. But yes, and I've seen that happen, and unfortunately I've seen one extreme case where a family had to leave their home because the drug dealers kept coming after the family even though the son was gone to England. Wow. And like that was a real tragic case. This is a family now who had a beautiful home. Um, 
You know, they'd worked hard all their lives. They were at the age, well, they were in their 50s now, you know, after raising the family, after doing everything right. And then they felt they, they weren't safe in their own home because of the intimidation. And the problem then is you're trying to encourage people to engage with the guards, but the fear then is there. And the, I suppose the drug dealers, what they do is they kind of rely on people's fear. Mm. Well, what we're saying is that, like, yeah, we will encourage people to engage with the girls. Or the other person then is the, the Cork City Drug and Alcohol Task Force. They also have people that uh, families can talk confidentially to get more advice. Mm. So there is help out there as well. We're trying to say to people. Yeah. And yeah. What we don't want to see is any more tragedies where people feel they have no option or say their last chance you know there's always help there. Lee. ok ok but it's an encouragement to go to the Garda Shikona and report it yes and I would say that and does that not yeah, make it worse then do you know the reprisals then once it's known that somebody's gone to the guards the reprisals and the intimidation gets worse surely well, I wouldn't say so, Neil, because okay. I, I think the girls take these cases very serious and they are the professionals and what they will do is they will treat it in confidentiality. So that's the big thing here is like the girls, whilst the girls know, because these gangs aren't picking on one family, they're picking on multiple families, they're multiple dealing. So the girls need the, the, the media information so they can... It, we're after these gangs and hopefully stop the intimidation. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I guess to some extent those that run up huge drug debts then turn to becoming dealers themselves, don't they? Doing some sort of a deal to try and pay off the debt by becoming a dealer themselves, isn't it true? Well, especially with families that don't have resources. Like, I, I know two families where the parents would be, in, in, would be business people and they would have to have the resources to clear these debts. But what happens then with families that are struggling or people that wouldn't have resources or be able to get loans, then they're, they're trapped into the cycle of getting involved in drugs, getting involved in drug dealing. And then normally what happens is these people end up in prison where the drug dealer gets away scot-free okay. or gets away from another way anyway, you know. Okay. So it's, okay. it's a scourge. Yes, and the thing about it, the, the figures, unfortunately, are on the rise. All right, um, let's see if we can uh, hear from other people who are going through the scourge of, of drug debt and how they've dealt with it. But the uh, story is, or the uh, recommendation is to do get in touch with Angarda Shikana. They do take it seriously. Just one or two, just quickly before I let you go, one or two quick issues that um, also are affecting people on Lee's side. Is, has, has the water quality improved at all? I know that it's not anything exclusive to say, for instance, the north side from, you know, Blackpool, Farnery, Ballyvalan, Mayfield. But, but has it, because it's a south side issue, but has it got any better? Her. Are Irish Water getting their act together? Well, Neil, I, I met with Irish Water for two hours just before Christmas to go through all the problems, and they outlined what they were doing. And listen, they seem to have a plan in place, and I, I said to them, um, going forward, we, we will monitor it. And yesterday I was contacted by two people, one in Dublin Hill and one just off Black Pool, to say that they had brown water. And over the Christmas, people from Gronabraher and Farley and Ballavalan were contacting me. And we have a case there where, uh, where families have been multiple times contacted Irish water with uh, repeat dirty water, brown water. Like, people not have to wash their clothes, people not have to have showers, 
uh, people having to run the water in the morning, especially if they're making bottles for young children. It, it's, a, it's a shambles. But they, had, they told me before Christmas that people needed to give it time, that they were flushing the system and solely whatever that means. I heard it was something to do with uh, with bad piping. But that give it time and that it will improve. So I'm just wondering, has it begun to improve following their promise last year that the flushing would fix it? Well, I would say it's just certain areas growing abroad that have improved and because of the work they've done. But what happened was there was a brand new uh, water treatment centre built in the, in the Lee Road next to the old water plant. And that cost over £20 million. And that came online last year. And since that has come online, because of different problems, the water quality has got worse. Yeah, OK. So yeah. Irish Water spent over £20 million and the people of Cork, the water is getting worse. And I've written to Irish Water this week and I'm looking for a public meeting. Are they fit for purpose, just, Irish Water, do you think? Because all we ever hear is grief or criticism. Well, you see, what you had is you had decades of underinvestment by the government. But what I'm talking to, army guys in Cork City Council who are kind of subcontracted out to Irish Water... And they're saying they're getting emails and they're getting told from Dublin what to do. Where before you had local engineers with local workers who knew the system locally. And like, we need to get back to that because what you have now is your people uh, making decisions about cock water and cock infrastructure who are not in cock. Totally stupid. Totally stupid. That's totally too much bureaucracy on that one. Well, one, other, one other fast one is these 1,100 social houses in Cork City that are stalled. Do you know anything about that? That's disgrace. They should be built and built quick. Uh, me, I, I, I tell you, I, I didn't want to come on to your show first morning back in the new year with such negativity. Like, But it's just, like we're in the middle of a housing crisis. We have 1,180 houses and they haven't moved in a year. Why? There hasn't been a... It's just the bureaucracy, the red tape, lack of funding, lack of staff. Like, we have a minister now, uh, Minister Darrell Brain is saying that they're doing everything, and then we have Cox City Council with almost 1,200 houses that haven't moved. I have people on the phone to me, I started back with my clinic again yesterday, and I have people ringing me now, and there's people being evicted over the next couple of months, we have nowhere to go and we have 1,200 houses that we haven't done anything. But is it true that half of those 1,200, one half of them is planning stuff, but the other half are partially built and and are just sitting there for nine or ten months? That's right. And like, the, worst, the worst example of that is Kilmore Road in Octahini under the regeneration. We have houses that have been partially built for four years. Some of them are nearly finished and others are at just ground level. And if you're ever passing, drive up to Latinini, but it's just as Latinini, there's sites all over the city where houses have been started, our foundation works have been done, and nothing has happened. And it's just, like, people run to me and they're looking at houses and they're saying, Tommy, I, I have nowhere to live, I want to buy a house, I want to rent a house, and I'm looking at these every day. And it's so frustrating for people, Neil. Some of them, are, some of them started construction in 2019 and still haven't been finished in, in, in the, as you said yourself in the midst of a housing crisis yeah and in actual fact me, there's other figures there that show that some of these going back to 2016 we didn't even go back that far we just went with the houses that could be delivered in the next few months and what we're saying to Cox City Council but to Minister Darrell O'Brien 
give Cox City Council the money, the staff, and the resources they need, the engineers, the quality surveyors, whatever professionals they need to get these houses finished and get families to move into them. Like me, it's unbelievable the level now of people crying out for housing, whether it's affordable, private, cost rental, or social. And like we have people on the social housing list 10, 11, 12 yeah, years. Yeah. It's a scandal. Like, it's an absolute scandal. Tommy Gould, thanks for taking the call this morning. Tommy Gould, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Centre. We've got calls on the way. Text 0868 Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Prenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. Writing this uh, with nowhere to turn, I'm one of a number of families on the north side who has a drug debt hanging over them. In my own case, my son has run up a debt of over €30,000. I had to go to the credit union to pay off his dealers. These dealers are giving drugs to kids to hold on to. And when the house is raided or the stash caught on the child by the guardie, the debt is put on the kid and their family for the lost drugs. I had contacted the guardie to tell them where and when the money was being handed over, the €30,000. Uh, emailer says the guardie never arrived. I live in fear on a daily basis of my son and these dealers. He was never brought up to be into drugs in the first place. I don't know what changed him as he came from a loveling family. I read that out in advance of chatting with uh, Christine, who's uh, Leon, the late Leon Cavanagh's uh, mum. He passed away, uh, sadly, uh, because of drugs on the 22nd of March 2021. And his mam joins me by phone. Christine, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Good. One of the interesting things in that email, uh, not to say that all of it is interesting, but she says um, he was never brought up to be into drugs. I don't know what changed him. He came from a loving family. You could say the exact same about Leon, couldn't you? In, in fact, yeah, you, you, of course. Yeah, for a long time you were blind to his using. I was, Neil. Yeah. I was, God love him. Yeah. Was there, was there ever debt involved? Was there ever intimidation with regards to the Perhaps the yeah, I would be going dealers. back about six years ago, six or seven years ago. And there was a person called to the door and she just wanted 800 euro. And I remember the day I said, look, I'm not paid to next Wednesday. Come back. And I gave her four. And then two weeks later, I gave her the other four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a girl called and, and said and said. There was a girl, yeah. It was no. years and years ago, and I can remember it. I know, but it was. It was I, but why would? She, I mean, I probably know the answer to it. Why was she coming to you looking for the money? It wasn't your debt. I know. Said she couldn't find Leon. Was there any threat? No, she didn't threaten me. No, but she just wanted the money back. The only way I could pay her, you know. Yeah. yeah. Years and years ago, and I can remember it. So that would have been your entire wages then? It was my wages. So what do you think What do you think when you hear that it's got substantially worse than that? There's a couple of case histories in the Echo this morning of a lad ran up €11,000 in debt. The emailer I just read out had a son who ran up 30000 in debt. But you see what happens, Neil, they give it and give it and give it, you know, and God loves us into more debt and debt than they get, you know. So the amounts of money in the end aren't anything near what the drugs cost. It's all of the interest and the, that they put on it. Maybe so, you know, maybe so. Yeah. And we're hearing now of, of families having to 
indeed leave their family home because of intimidation, yeah. take out bank or credit union loads or, or, or wipe out their life savings to pay off the debts. Yeah. Because so sp- even at that time, I hadn't got money, so I had to wait for my wages, you know. Yeah, yeah. As I said, no, it was years and years ago, you know. It just had to be paid, you know, to save wholly on that time. Sadly, you know, sadly, though, it didn't save him. Like we're coming up to his fourth anniversary in March. Oh, it's just yeah. third anniversary in March. My apologies. His third, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Heroin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that Heroin. was that was in spite of him trying and trying and trying, and and the family being yeah. behind him. Yeah. yeah. How are you coping? Oh, like, how, how's how is this? Uh, How's his partner coping? How are the kids? She, they're fine. They're fine. God love her. You know, she's she's art moving on. I'm delighted for her. She's, you know, and the kids, but it's like it leaves us. You know, it leaves us. Kind of just trying to cope every day, like it don't affect the addict. Affects the whole family. Our family is destroyed. You know. It isn't as if you tried. My God, you tried so hard. Yeah. You know? And you suppose Sister Simone and the rest of us, you know, we've done everything. Everything. I'm kind of touched by the email that says he was never brought up to be into drugs. I don't know what changed him as he come, came from a loving family. Do you think thoughts like that? Oh, the whole time. And I'd be saying, is there something that I could do more? Do you know, we know we done what we could, yeah. Leon. You know. Yeah. And what like, do you, you what know, do you think what do you think happened that led to that spiral of drug addiction and death? Was it just the company he kept, or just experimenting with something that others were experimenting Neil, with? Neil, I never blamed Leon's company. Never. Do you know, I couldn't like I couldn't speak for any other child was with him, but I just felt I don't know. Leon was always very go lucky when he was younger, you know. Leon might go out walking a dog and he come and might come back with a tree, you know. He'd come back with anything. He was so he was a very go lucky child, you know. Yeah. Just don't know what happened. Had a great imagination, it sounds. Yeah, yeah. And, He'd come um, with branches off a tree, he might come out with he might come back with a dog box, someone would pass pass with the dog and they'd give him a box. And tell me, did he go through any rehab or did he try any of that? He tried, he tried, yeah. I remember he was young in a place and he got caught smoking a cigarette and they put him on the bus two days, two weeks later. Isn't that a shame for smoking a fag? Isn't shame, a shame, cigarette. It wasn't um, a needle or heroin or coke or anything, cigarette. And I remember they rang me to say they were leaving him go, you know. Rehab must be very strict then if you're out for smoking yeah, a fag. Yeah. I can understand even a cigarette, you know. I know, I know. God love us, you know. He he did try and he, it got to the end. He couldn't. He just couldn't. He was gone too far. So when he was God gone so him, far, know? it must have been absolutely heartbreaking for you then because he he was homeless at one stage, wasn't he? He was, he was on the he streets. He was homeless for you. Neil, I'd bring him back. And I'd say there's a bed there and he'd the bed be there till the Monday morning. He'd go out and I wouldn't see him no more. And as I told you, he didn't even know me. Didn't you pass him on the street or give him some money? Yeah. He, didn't know, he didn't know who you were? No. 
Heartbreaking for a mother. Yeah, yeah. God love him. But do you know, do you know what now, Neil? I wouldn't bring him back. I actually, do you know, he's safe for where he is. And that's a hard thing to say. Well, it's kind of understandable in the sense that he has no more torment. Yeah, when I go out to his grave, I know he's safe. And he's a bit rough. You know, I know he was so destroyed, God love him. He's been beat up, he's... Oh, my God. It's horrible. Because of the dangers of living rough. Yeah, yeah. God love him. We would all wish better things for our sons and daughters, but the realisation that he's better off in another place is a hard reality to come to terms with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you think think that this is ever going to be... um, brought under control this scourge because from where I am it seems to be just getting worse and worse and worse yeah yeah even I go into town there and I see you know God love them there you know it's just it seems to be getting more and more harder looking at them you know doesn't it yeah it's desperate yeah Yeah. and we fail to see that there's somebody's son or daughter or a family that loves them exactly you know and I'd never look down at anyone's children because it's just, you know, they come from the best of homes. You know, it's just whatever happens to them. I know, I know. It's heartbreaking to see them. I know. Listen, look after yourself, Christine. I know it's difficult to yeah, talk about it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Mind you. yourself. All the best for now. Thanks. Bye. Uh, text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Drug debt intimidation is a result of drug prohibition, plain and simple. You take away the control of the market from organised crime gangs by ending the outdated drug prohibition policies and you regulate the supply of drugs legally. Uh, Tommy Gould and Sinn Féin support the policy of drug prohibition and therefore political parties like them are actually part of the problem. Morning, Neil. My son has gotten into a similar situation. What pees me off is that the Gardaí know well and truly who these dealers are. We have over €12,000 paid out and much more money than that is still owing. Please don't give out my details. Text 0868 back after 10. You're listening to Cork's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. People texting 0868 These guys are breaking the law, uh, so they should be arrested, as in drug dealers. Uh, we need a specific task force on drugs, as the current drug squad model is isn't working. We had two deaths last week where men died from heart attacks because of cocaine use. Their hearts were racing. Go into any bar and you'll see evidence of cocaine use. Unless this law and order issue is addressed, nothing will change. Everyone rallies around the drug addict and throws money at them to pay their debt, but nobody tackles the dealers. There should be drug testing on the streets on a daily basis. Um, that's an interesting t- statistic on Lisa that I wasn't aware of. Our texter says two deaths last week with men who died from heart attacks from cocaine use. I blame RTE for a lot of this. Shows like Love, Hate and Kin are just glorifying these drug-dealing scumbags. I haven't seen Kin yet. I'm looking forward to watching it, but I certainly have seen Love, Hate. But you ever watch television shows that involved drug dealers or criminality like that? They lead awful lives in spite of what they do. I mean, it, it, does, you know, it never seems all as glamorous to me. They're always... 
you know, uh, you know, living in fear. Uh, they're always worried. They're they're always being uh, the potential of being harassed by other criminal um, gangs or what have you. They they never seem to be at peace. It it never comes across to me as being kind of a, a wonderful, comfortable, wealthy, um, you know, financially beneficial lifestyle. But you know, that's just my own thought. And not going on the radio, but my son lost everything from these thugs, and it cost us an awful lot to get rid of them. The fear that they put us through as a family was huge. I can't and couldn't go to the guards. Um, Tommy Gould is some piece of work. A Shinner talking about intimidation. And he's also on about housing. Yet the Sinn Féin party invited the rest of the world into Ireland. If Tommy Gould was genuine, he would leave Sinn Féin. Um, and then on one or two other different topics that I've been dealing with this morning. Um, NCT. Cars that passed and cars that failed. I spoke about it uh, just after nine this morning. Can't come on the air as I'm just heading into work. Please don't give out my details, but I heard you talking about the NCT. My partner is a mechanic. He had his car up on the ramp and had three other mechanics, as well as himself, look over the car, focus up the lights, etc. What a surprise. He failed on light focusing. He brought it back to the garage, looked at the lights again, and they were perfect. Then he brought it back to the test centre, having to pay for a retest, and it passed. I'm not going to name the test centre, but all I can say is that the NCT isn't just in it for the safety of cars. They have to make money somehow. This has happened to more than one person, and unsurprisingly, all the cars were owned by guys in their mid-twenties. Just wanted to raise this. I'm having, I have raised it with multiple politicians, but to no avail. I hate seeing people spending extra money for no reason. You do hear of those stories that a car would fail for a reason. You take it away, you you mightn't get anything done to it and you just bring it back again and it passes the second time. Uh, it does sound a bit on the bizarre side. Uh, text 0868104106. We've got calls on the way. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after these. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Uh, we're talking about uh, weight loss, and of course everybody does at the start of a new year. Uh, interesting text on that. We're not eating food anymore. That's why many people are so heavy, coupled with very little exercise, which reduces our metabolism to a crawl by not exercising. There's an ever-increasing amount of junk food full of sugar in our shops, and there's no nutritional value in much of the artificial and over-processed foods that we eat. Therefore, we eat more and more of it. People are also drinking more and there's loads more calories in that as well. There are lots of beer bellies around in this country. If people stayed off junk food, stay off alcohol, get some exercise and don't eat in the evening time, then you'll see a big difference. Excellent text. Thank you for that. Text 0868104106. Ultra processed foods really are killing us quicker, aren't they, when you look at it? And then lots on mental health services. People have been emailing their own stories. I will come back to them throughout the course of the morning. But I want to thank Olivia who got in touch with me. I was reading her email this morning. Olivia, good morning. Good morning. Now, the Eurovision takes place in Sweden uh, in May. I think uh, the final is on the 11th of May. We've got a couple of semi-finals ahead of that. Um, and I'm reading an awful lot more now. Um, picked it up here in the journal in front of me with regards to countries being asked to boycott the Eurovision if Israel take, takes part in it. And um, RTE are under pressure now. And indeed, the government are under pressure 
to issue some kind of guidance and I see Leo Varadkar has been quoted as saying um, that boycotting the Eurovision would alienate people and alienate our musicians. But you're amongst a group that want Ireland to boycott the Eurovision, is it? That's correct. Yeah, that is correct. I mean, the reason I I want Ireland to boycott the Eurovision on the same grounds that um, the EBU in February 2022... EBU um, being the, what, European European Broadcasting Union. They announced in 2022 that Russia would not compete, and I quote, in the light of the unprecedented crisis in Ukraine, the inclusion of a Russian entry in this year's contest would bring the competition into disrepute on this end of quotes. And my argument is... That um, obviously what happens it's happening in Ukraine is diabolical, but what has happened in Gaza is is, di- is diabolical, is as diabolical, and perhaps even more diabolical because even more civilians, children, and innocent people have been killed, are being killed, and are now starving mm-hmm. and cold, mm-hmm. and you know it's appalling. So. To be honest, I call that genocide. And tell me this, uh, do, is there any other country within, like the Euro, Eurovision isn't just Europe, it's much wider than that, obviously. right? But have any yeah. other countries come out and said that they're boycotting it? Not yet. I mean, there is, there is a move in Iceland, I think. There is um, the musicians union in Iceland are calling on their country to boycott it. And um, did I read I something that- about Finland as well? I'm not aware of Finland, but I mean, I think the Scandinavian countries are probably, um, they, they have traditionally been very pro-human rights. And I would be, not be surprised if Finland were also calling for a boycott. Okay. But I'm asking Ireland to call for a boycott because Ireland, we have a history. We have a colonial history. We have a history where we, we were starved. We had a famine that was not a famine. It was a hunger. And now we have another nation of people being starved and we want to take part in a competition on the same stage as the country who is calling who is causing that genocide and um, and, and how are you going about getting support i mean you're you're actually part of the cove palestine solidarity I'm campaign part yeah. Of, okay. yes i yeah. am yeah. and i'm also part of a wide a wider group in that um, on every Saturday, there is a march through Cork at 1pm from the Grand Parade where a number of groups, all opposed to what's happening in Gaza and in Palestine, march to show our solidarity. And that's happened every week for 12 weeks. Um, there is a, ma- a movement, really. How many towards- countries, because I don't, I don't know, perhaps I should, how many countries actually participate in the Eurovision Song Contest? It would be at least a couple of dozen, if not more, wouldn't it? Oh, it, it would be. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not particularly, I mean, I... I no, but I you would think that if there, if there was, and I'll get the accurate figure, but l- let's suggest that it's 20 or 30 or whatever. Um, you would think that one of them at this stage, with only a few months to go, would have come out and, and said, we're not participating. But nobody has. Even Even Finland have said that it's unclear. They haven't said that they won't. It's unclear whether they will participate. I think that is just part of the kind of thing we're facing at the moment, Neil, where there is a kind of silence about what is happening. There's 37 countries in the Eurovision. None of them have come out and said we're not taking part. No, and that's that's fine for them. That's for them. I I don't claim to to be the moral arbiter of any of those people. I'm just saying I'm an Irish person. I feel for our country to be represented on the same stage as a country that is carrying out a deliberate 
and calculated genocide against... You do know, you do know from the point of view of being fair that um, Israelis have died in this conflict with Hamas. Rockets have been fired upon them. Their children have been killed oh, as well, well and, you, and also um, taken hostage. We know of all of that. Well, we know about that. But since 1948, the Palestinian people have been being killed. They have been taken hostage. You know, the, the children in, and a lot of the people in Palestinian jails are children. Children are arrested and taken into prison for throwing stones. I mean, if we want to talk about hostages, what about all the hostages in Palestinian prisons who well, were children? And I mean, how can you justify the killing of 11 or 12,000 children, the naming of 25 of thousands of them, you know, the amount of people who have lost limbs. Oh, I know, I listen, I know, it's awful, it's absolutely you know, dreadful. I mean, but and I know you're saying about this competition being, um, you know, not political. That's, I, I was moving to that point, know, that this this yeah, may not well, be a healthy I, yeah. discussion in the sense this is about music, this is about putting your yeah, best foot well, forward, is, being included. Well, inclu- this is about music. Is it about music? You know, we're going to have a situation in an arena with um, a lot of spectators all waving their national flags. And amongst them is the national flag of Israel, a country that is carrying out a genocide. Would we want a, a Eurovision contest where, it's, just for argument's sake, in the 1940s, we have a Eurovision contest. Would we want Germany carrying out a Holocaust waving their swastikas? Yeah, well, it's an interesting comparison. That's my argument. Yeah. That's my argument. Yeah. It, I mean, if it were back in, if it were back, unfortunately, if it were back in the 1940s and something like this would be happening, sadly, to our shame, um, the Irish state at the time yeah, all be there. Wait, they, they was be very much behind. Um, exactly. Yes, they were. And look at the, the yeah, we had the Olympics. Yeah. And that was an opportunity for Hitler to showcase his third okay, life. Okay. And the, like, I agree. I okay. think. So I mean, I would say to people listening, Whose who's call is this? Is it the government's call? Is it? I know that RT have been been bombarded. Maybe that's the wrong term to use by, yeah. by emails. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Is it whose call? Whose decision is it? Well, I think it's the decision of the license payer. If RTE wants to go ahead with this and carry out and, and go on stage with Israel, my 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 advice to the license payer is: you know, you can always show your dis, you, your disapproval by not paying your TV license on on moral grounds. Because why would you pay a license but, to be represented amongst genocidal people? You know. Yeah, when when's the Olympics? Is it the Olympics? Um... I haven't a clue. Okay. I mean, I've, I've no doubt Israel will be allowed to play the Olympics because at the end of the day, the West has, has been... This year is an Olympic year, right? Okay, in Paris. Yeah. Um, should Israel be oh, I'm sure it, in the Olympics? Well, uh, no, no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be in the Olympics either. They shouldn't be allowed to showcase their country with what they're doing. I mean, they just shouldn't. Well, should Hitler be in the Olympics? if he was around today and we knew about the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. You know, would he? I just feel, you know, I think people at home are feeling very powerless at the moment, looking at their screens and watching what is happening and seeing the horrendous pictures of children on their screens. And I would say to those people, you don't need to feel helpless. You can get up, you can sign this petition, you can show people, you can show at least show in this way that you do not condone what is going on. This is not in your name. You can join an organisation like the 
Cork Palestine group, whatever. There are groups in all your in all your different places, and you can get out and march every Saturday from the Grand Parade. I'm just wondering, so would something? I'm just wondering, home. would something like this make things better or worse? I hear already that the production team behind the Eurovision have, are in, intending to very much increase security measures against any kind of risk of potential terrorist attacks at the Eurovision. Well, well I mean, I would only worry. The only terrorists I'm concerned about are the Israeli terrorists, the idea. Well, you you know you know yeah. what Israel would say in response to that that they will oh, wipe they will not. wipe I mean, out not the not the Palestinian people um, and and they are being killed as a consequence I get that and it's tragic but that they will wipe out Hamas and the threat of Hamas to Israeli people. Do you really think that they will wipe no, out Hamas by doing this? I have no idea whether they will or not. I would just wish no, the whole I mean, campaign think, would well, stop. The British, I mean the British the British I mean the British for eight hundred years try to wipe out Irish Republicans. Did they wipe them out? Mm. The more they, I mean, they shot at people in 1916. There was no great support for 1916 until they shot all the people who, who took part. So do you think Ireland should be the first or possibly the only I, country I think, uh, yes, to boycott Eurovision? Exactly. If necessary, be the only one. Be the ones to stand proud and say, we have suffered a colonial past. We stand with our brothers and sisters who are being decimated in Palestine. We won't, we're not, we're not going to sit in, a, in a, an arena where people are waving Israeli flags. There is, I mean, the Eurovision, Neil, you know when they do the, introduce the groups, they do a lovely little kind of film thing. Yes, I know, I know that. It's I know a that. showcase. I know it's that. a showcase for the country. I know that. And I, mean, and I know that in other sports, if a, if a participant is taking part in sports, certainly in tennis, that they can play in international yeah. tennis competitions, but they can't yeah. represent Russia, for instance. Since there's no Russian exactly. flag and they don't have exactly. Russia's their name. But we have a different rule for Israel. Why is that? I mean, that's what we have to ask ourselves. Why is Israel different? Mm-hmm. Is it, I mean, I think people are terrified of being accused of anti-Semitism. It's got nothing to do with anti-Semitism. One of our members in COPE, her, 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 um, her grandparents, um, one of her grandparents died in Auschwitz. Her aunts, her aunts and uncles all died in, in, um, in, in concentration camps. She's she's a Jew she's Jewish and she is an active member. She it's nothing about anti Semitism. This is about anti Zionism, anti what's happening at the moment. And what are you I calling mean, on people to do? To sign petitions, to email petition, the government yeah, or yeah, RTE I, 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 or what? Yeah, I yeah, I have a little list here. You can sign this petition on change.org. If you go in and you look up RTE you know, if you if you search RTE boycott Eurovision, you'll get the petition. You can join a group. Like the like the, most towns now have a group which are supporting Palestine. You can march every Saturday from the Grand Parade, one o'clock. And um, to be honest, it's one way of. And I, I've definitely noticed over the last few weeks as we've been marching that the reaction of the public has been has been changing. People okay. are. Do you mind if I just take a little bit of time now to get the reaction of the listening public to see if they agree or no, disagree? You can you can do. I'm okay. sure they won't. Yeah, you can do. Much Okay, thanks, Olivia. Text 0868104106. Your thoughts on that one, please. Should it be boycott or not? The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one.
Talk Show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. The voice of Cork. Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday. Cork's Red FM. Interesting text here. We should boycott the Eurovision full stop. It's outdated and well past its best before date. Well, the countries that win it and do well in it wouldn't say that. And it's been a long time since we did well in it, unfortunately. But this is a more fundamental question as to whether or not countries should boycott and whether or not Israel should be allowed to participate. One point of clarification and what was spoken about there with Olivia um, is that um, the Germans uh, and indeed Hitler much behind it did have uh, the Olympics um, in Berlin in 1936 and Ireland didn't attend. It was known as the Nazi Olympics by many and Ireland chose not to participate. It's the only Olympics since Ireland's first Olympics in 1924 in Paris that they didn't participate with participate in. Uh, unfortunately, Ireland and much of it at the, you know, from the point of view of control of um, Eamon de Valera way, way back in the earlier part of the growth of Hitler and the Nazis before the war itself, Ireland had an unhealthy relationship with Germany, Germany back there, but of course everybody could see then what happened within war itself. Uh, the Second World War and our relationship with them was an entirely an entirely different one. But text 0868104106 on that one. Let me get back to my phone lines as to whether or not we should. I mean, the third are, yeah, I have the figure now. There are 37 countries that actually take part in Eurovision. We are one of 37. I believe it will go up to 38 next year. Another country is, is due to join Romania, uh, will join by all accounts. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, so should we or shouldn't we? It's just an interesting question. It's a yes or no. What? Ben uh, Israel? Uh, e- uh, either that or refuse to participate. Well, but surely you can refuse to participate in anything that you want. But why would you ban a country that's uh, protecting itself from from uh, an incident on the 7th of October when, when there are people, and not alone the Israelis, but people from across the world were slaughtered by Hamas. And amazingly, most amazingly, I haven't heard that woman coming on on the 8th of October to condemn what Hamas done to other women, where they were raped and slaughtered and butchered. And all of that did every, happen. We, yeah, and it needs to be reminded. Yeah, 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 where yeah. every woman, where every woman across the world, uh, particularly that Me Too outfit, uh, who were uh, causing chaos. They they weren't seen. Oh, but listen, it's, it's moved on a lot since then now. We are talking about the innocent of all different ages. We're talking about food shortages. We're talking about water that's undrinkable. We're talking yeah. about but hospitals yeah, that cannot what? that cannot operate as hospitals. We, you know, it's... it's well, hold, on, hold on a while now. Did Gaza have these problems on the 6th of October, did n- it? Not on this, no, not, not on the scale by virtue of the Israeli reaction. Yeah. Particularly, yeah, but the, particularly, you, but you, 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 UNICEF would describe it as a war on children. Uh, you know, but, uh, but at this stage, who, who are the innocent? UNICEF and the United Nations have flown the flag of, of, of anti-Semitism for I don't know how long, because there has been more uh, gag orders and whatever on Israel, uh, whereas you have Iran and every other Arab state where there are people are slaves in Qatar where the people are treated like dirt. There's been no condemnation of them by by the United Nations. But as soon as Israel picks up a gun to defend itself, oh, let, 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 let's go further with this. The, the, the Israeli women who have been released have told how they were kept by uh, Palestinian families and treated like dirt while they were in captivity in, in houses and kept without food and food dangled in front of them while they laughed at them and spit at them. Mm. Now, this is women on women. It's bad enough that the savages that attacked them and, and taped this while it was going on. Mm. 
Mm. But you have women who are condoning this against other women, which is absolutely fine. There, there, there would be clearly wrongs on both sides, but the question but now... But listen, and ask, find out from Egypt and find out from Lebanon, any, any particularly from the Rafa crossing, any goods that went through the, the Rafa crossing from Egypt ever before the 7th of October, Hamas took control of every one of that, them trucks that went in. They sold them to the people at high prices. I understand what they're you're all, saying. I'm looking. I'm just looking. All, I'm just looking all, at the statistics. Right, twenty-two thousand Palestinians have been killed. Nearly fifty-seven thousand of them have been wounded in Israeli strikes and, in Gaza since that date, October seventh. You know, it's, right, and we and we and we and we got all that information firsthand from the Hamas Ministry of Truth. Did we? Um, well, this would be independently verified. I can give it. To, I can give you the Reuters figure. There are many different figures. They all, they, they all can't be coming from um, a, a propaganda machine, if you like. Um, you know, you're looking well, at. The, well, there was well apparently there was no tunnels at, under hospitals or under schools or, or under creches or under on, uh, 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 You're looking at over offices. two. Uh, listen, I, I know inevitably when we talk about something else, whether we should boycott uh, Eurovision or not, we will end up talking about the conflict itself or, or the actual the war. There are two million people have been displaced but, from where they lived in Palestine to where they are now seeking refuge. But, yeah. They were advised to move away because the Israelis were going after Hamas at Hammer and Tong. And Hamas actually kept kept them okay. uh, as hostages. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on there yeah, one they, second. Hold on there one second. Okay, okay, okay. Joe. Yeah, Neil. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, Neil, uh, war brings out the worst in everyone. doesn't matter what nationality or where they're from. That, that's, that's the first point I want to make. You know, there's atrocities on both sides. I mean, if, we, I mean, I'm well, if there's atrocities on both sides, why should, why should we be even talking about boycotting the Eurovision or banning Israel? Well, Israel talks about defending itself, right? I mean, everybody has the right to defend themselves, but it's gone way beyond defence. I mean, when you've got 22, 23,000 people slaughtered, really. I mean, to see it on television every night, babies and, and young children being slaughtered, I mean, that's, that's, that's gone beyond defence. That's crazy. If that happened in Ukraine, there'd be uproar because the dog is wagging the tail. You see, America is, is behind this and they're very silent about what it. it. But it is happening in Ukraine. People injured in Ukraine, there's, there's war over it. There's no later than yesterday, there was two attacks uh, again, one in Kiev and uh, on another city, where people uh, uh, were sitting in their homes and Putin fired their missiles into them and blew them up. Mm. It's, going on, it's going on every day in Ukraine. Um, it is, yes, it is indeed, yeah. Where was all the voices raised when Iran and Iraq had a war for seven years where there was two million people killed? Nothing. When Syria... When, when the war is they don't take they didn't take part in Eurovision. I mean, I don't mean to overly simplify exactly. this, but can I just ask the question: Should music or indeed sport be dragged into um, um, you know a conversation like this in the first place? Probably shouldn't, I suppose. Neither, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? That it should not it should not be connected with music and sport should be separate to politics or you know war or other people's kind of cultural differences or you know that it should be. What about the conflict? What about the conflict in, uh, that was going on in the north of Ireland for thirty years? Would he agree that the British should come down here and bomb bomb Dublin because the area were active in the north? 
Well, they did put off. Well, there was bombs went off in Dublin and, and what you call oh, it, in Monaghan, wasn't yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, you agree with them flying over the bottom and, and strapping Dublin or strapping... I just think that at this stage, well, if, if some countries were going to boycott, they'd have made the call by now. And none but, have. Uh, w- w- yeah, but hold on a while. If, if people don't want to partake in something, that's fine. Don't partake in it. But you don't cut off your nose to spoil your face. So what are you going to do? Close down the Eurovision? No, because you don't, you don't see Israel as an aggressor then, no? That's putting it simply. Well let, me, well, let me put you like this. Like if somebody's trying to murder me, I'll do something about it and fuck the consequences. Oh, pardon the, the use of the language. Are you still there, that's Olivia? The did you want to respond to that? I am. I am. I am. I'm listening. Um, actually, just by, the judge, just by the last comment that gentleman made about if somebody was... Was attacking him. He did something about. It. Um, since 1948, Palestinians have been under attack. <laughs> there were people being killed in the West Bank. There was two children killed in the West Bank uh, during the. Uh, what are you saying? Listen, listen, John. Don't be, don't be talking like that. Yeah. So they read and on the international producer report about um, what's going on. They have called what's been happening in Gaza and the West Bank, they've been calling that um, a genocide long before um, this happened on the, you know, the 7th of October. I mean, by, in, from between that day, by 2019, Israeli forces have killed 214 civilians, 56 children who were protesting, just asking for the, the blockage on Gaza to be lifted. OK, you're going to need to move around a little bit there. You're going to need to move around a little bit there because that's not a great line. I just want to intervene there. I mean, we, we, you probably know it, and there was some, some leader said it yesterday on, the, on the, one of the channels there that the, the former leaders of Israel were all regarded as terrorists at one time. And back in Begin, they blew up the King David Hotel and killed was it 80 or 90 uh, British civil servants. And now they were leaders after. The same as De Valera here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was going to make terrorists. that point. Yeah. Yeah. The British. Yeah. Just let me get back to that lady's comment there. You obviously have no uh, history of the, the so-called Palestinians. That started in that started with Arafat. Who was fun, who was no, who was fund, fund, who, no, no, hold on a while. British colonialism. That started in 1964, funded by Moscow. Hundred years ago, you, you, I'm sorry to disagree with you. It didn't start. No, it started with the. It started in 1964. It's recognised by Arab states. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, well, well I wouldn't regard Russia as being an aggressor, that's the case, so, yeah. when NATO okay. are up against their border. Okay. Yeah, and you wouldn't call Hitler an aggressor yeah. either, would you? I mean, on that basis, I mean, who's aggressor then? Is it even fair is it even fair to equate this to the aggressions and the killing and the genocide of Hitler? Yes. Absolutely. Do you know that there are more children than ever? Dear God. What do you mean, dear God? So she would say yes, but John Byrne would say no, is it? Hold on a while now. Two points there. Ukraine didn't attack Russia, and and Israel only responded to the uh, the attack by Hamas. Yeah, but I mean, there's one way, like, you know, that's like like cracking a nut with a sledgehammer, like, isn't it? No, no. Well, I tell you what you do. 
ask, ask any soldier that's after coming back from the Lebanon what way the missiles are coming. Are they coming from Lebanon into Israel or are they going from Le- Lebanon or from Israel into Lebanon? They'll tell you the truth. Okay, let me get some text on it. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. A simple question, really, uh, as to whether or not Ireland, there are 36 other countries besides ourselves in Eurovision in May, as to whether we should boycott if Israel takes part or not. Text 0868104106 after the break. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Talk to Neil Prendeville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Those that would be calling from, say, a boycott uh, of uh, Eurovision for Ireland would uh, correctly state many of the statistics with regards to the loss of life, and amongst them are figures that have been um, actually. Uh, published by UNICEF where they say 25,000 children have lost one or more parents. Many have lost limbs, experienced other life-changing injuries. Um, Israel prevents aid from reaching many of them and uh, many go without food uh, on a daily basis. No water, no hospitals and disease in many areas of Palestine are uh, diseases now rampant. And good morning. Uh, let me get my phone lines right. Actually, my apologies, he's on three. And good morning, can you hear me now? No, nothing on three. Uh, Anne McShane? No, all right. Well, I can come back to that. Uh, that line was there a few minutes ago, but not there now. Let me do some other texts on the on the subject here. Israel is not in Europe, so why should it be in Eurovision uh, using the contest? Or the, Sorry, why should it be in the Eurovision Song Contest regardless of the war? Same for countries like Australia. I know it's a, it's a, it's a bizarre it's a bizarre one, really, in the sense that there are many countries, part of Eurovision, have been for quite some time, that aren't actually in Europe or indeed in the European Union itself. But so be it. Are you telling me that she's there now? Let me find out. Anne, good morning. Hi, oh, hi. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened with that phone line. Anyway, go ahead. What, what are your thoughts? So so I, I support Olivia and I'm also a member of the Cove Palestine Solidarity Campaign. I was ringing in to respond to the points that John Byrne was making. Mm. I mean, firstly, I think he's wrong factually, historically. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to drill on the okay. historical All argument. Right, you know, that's for that's for another debate in another place. Okay, there there are right, a lot no. of texts saying there. Are, I'm seeing texts coming in, and I'll, I'll read them. But but some of them are saying this is none of our business. Whatever is happening between Israel and Palestine, we have our own problems here. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be uh, taking on board. Um, you know, the, the worries and the trials and tribulations of other countries. We've got enough to be getting on with ourselves. Yeah, but you can't you can't just turn your back on the world and expect the troubles of the world won't come and get you themselves. We're in a situation at the present time where there's every chance of this um, current crisis exploding into a war in the Middle East. But ba- boycotting the Eurovision isn't going to stop any of that. Well, what boycotting the Eurovision is doing, it's drawing attention to the fact that Israel is carrying out, as Olivia quite rightly said, a genocide. And that's not just us saying that. As you quite rightly pointed out, the um, the UN, all of the aid organisations are saying this is an impossible situation that they're in. People are dying on the streets. I've seen videos of people actually being shot and dying on the streets and all they can get is the comfort of those around them. Have you seen the videos, though, of uh, the Hamas rocket attacks and the devastation and death and maiming and injuries um, from their rockets fired into Israel? 
You don't have to say that you condone Hamas in order to call for a ceasefire, in order to call for Israel to end this. You don't, it doesn't have to be taking a side. It's a simple case of saying that what Israel is doing is wrong. It's obviously in contravention of all international law. But we are now, using, now, we are now mu- using music and in the past we've used sport. Um, to, yes. to, to sanction people or countries. And is that right? Should they not be independent of all conflict, particularly well, music? The idea that the Eurovision is not political really is just completely, you know, off the wall. I mean, as you know, like all of these events are political. It gives us, as Olivia said, the chance for these countries to showcase themselves. And it's an important moment. But let Israel, but then let Israel take part and allow people to show how they feel, whether it's in the voting, in the audience, whatever that may be. Well, yes. That if that if Israel does take part, then I'm sure that that is what will happen. But before it even takes to that stage, we should be saying no. They shouldn't be there. They should be told that their behaviour is not is not going to be tolerated. And we're like we're organising and speaking out for very many others who feel the same way, who feel that they can't turn on their televisions because they're so horrified and upset about what's going on. And you know, maybe some people feel, oh, I wish you would all go away, but it's not going to go away. Here's one of the, That's an interesting point you make. If I could just dwell on that point, actually, because we now live and have done for a number of years now in a 24-hour news cycle that we didn't have years ago or a couple of decades ago. If you go back far enough, right, there was very little news available. It was the newspapers, for sure it was. But we didn't have as much world news and conflict. The minutia of all the conflicts in the world now are there for us to see and be part of. We've got news bulletins, we've got two-hour programmes, you've got Morning Ireland in the morning, you've got political programmes on television and on radio. So we're consuming lots more news now, 24-7. I think that's very bad for us. I think that that drags you down. It leads to, uh, you know, it it, 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 it just, it, it's bad for your psyche because we're taking in all of this news, all of this awful news, atrocity from the four corners of the world. We didn't have to live with that. The point I'm making is conflicts were always there, but to a large extent, we just didn't know about it as much as we do now. It's causing an awful lot of worry and fear in people. Would you accept that point? Well, yeah, I would accept it. Although, to be honest, there's a lot of conflicts that we know nothing about because the media doesn't focus I on I know, we know of everything now. We know, like, if there's an earthquake now, if there's a tornado, or if a jet crashes, or if there's a war, or, you know, if there's a, a breakout of awful disease around the world, we hear about it 24-7, and it just, I think it wears us down. I'm not taking from the catastrophes themselves. I don't want to be unkind in that regard. Uh, but that's, that's the world we live in. We, we, we take well, we- on an awful lot now. I think, though, that we can't go backwards. This is the world we live in, and it can be for good and it can be for bad. If you're sitting at home just listening to it all the time, then it will drag you down. But if you take the knowledge that you get from this, start to ask questions yourself, start to get involved in discussions with others and inform yourself, then it can be a good thing. You know, like, I think that the fact that so many people have got involved in this campaign shows me that people have started to think about it and there's lots of young women with young children who aren't just horrified but they're also really well informed and it is a global 
world, you know, I mean, that's a truism, but we're all so informed and we can make our views known in a way that we weren't able to before. And I think that that's to our benefit. But what if, the, what if we did, but if we did, like, what about if we were the only, actually two points, what if we ended up being the only country to boycott Eurovision? Well, I think that that would be something that we should treat with pride. Pride, okay. Because and- our... Ireland is seen by many people in Palestine as a, a great supporter. Ireland is very important. We'd certainly save an awful lot of money because, uh, you know, it's an exp- I know that's a different story. But the, uh, the, other, the Irish government, sorry just to interrupt, the Irish government passed legislation in 2018, which has never implemented the Occupied Territories Bill, which would ban all goods produced in the illegal occupations from entry to Ireland. It also has voted to recognise Palestine, but none of these, neither of these two things had actually been implemented. I think that maybe Leo Varadkar would be very slow to call a boycott for Ireland in the Eurovision or a banning of Russia, of, uh, of, of Israel itself, because he wouldn't, well, want, to, are, he wouldn't want to yeah. upset the Americans. Well, exactly. I mean, and that is. Because I can tell you that the news cycle in America, I watched a lot of news over there when I was there before Christmas. The news cycle in America with regards to the Israeli Palestinian conflict is very, very different in the way it's handled there as opposed to here. But a lot of Americans are protesting against Biden, and a lot of American Jews are going out on the streets to protest. And you can see images of those. So I think that there's a turn. Okay. I think that there's a turn in the tide and I hope that basically this discussion will continue and that we will get support for the boycott and other actions. Okay, much obliged you. Thank you so much, Anne, and uh, thank you as well to, to Joe and, and to John and indeed also uh, earlier on to Olivia. Uh, I'm looking at line two there, guys, but I ain't seen anybody on two. I know it was Mike who wants to make a point or two himself, so we can come back to those uh, after 11. Text 0868 104 106. Um, other, oh, he's got him now. Well done. Much obliged to you. Line two. Mike, good morning. Good, good morning, Neil. What do, you mean, you? what do you mean by cut the hypocrisy? Are we a nation full of hypocrisy? I'm only asking the question. Um, I, I'll give you an example, and, and it was mentioned there, and, I, and I'll come back, if you can give me a couple of seconds, and I'll come back to the Israel. Like, um, when, 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 uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, yeah. we had all, le- all leaders on, all country leaders were on. And Ukraine, the people of Ukraine were being armed and were being shown, shown how to make a Molotov bomb, which is a petrol bomb with chemicals. Yeah, I remember it. They were yeah. being shown. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um, that was being, you know, that was being praised by Mr. Martin and Mr. Vrector, as you just mentioned the minute ago, his name Mr. Vrector. That was being praised. And I'm all my life, since I was a young lad and I'm in my 60s now, I'm all my life listening to how wrong it was in Belfast and Derry. Sort of right in Ukraine, it was wrong in Belfast and Derry. You know we're full of, this is my opinion, personal opinion, we're full of hypocrisy. And I come back to Israel. In my opinion, and before I go, before I talk about Eurovision, in my opinion, Israel are 100% the aggressor, uh, you know. But we love to peacefully our mind. We don't take all the facts into account. And we like to peacefully our minds. And we make up our mind in, in, in a, some, a lot of people make up their mind in an instant of uh, who's right and who's wrong. And they look at atrocities. Um, you have to look at a bigger picture. You know, Israel are the aggressor. But didn't we as a nation 
Didn't the UK, wasn't the UK in the Eurovision while we were bombing Iraq? Wasn't Ireland in the Eurovision while we were fueling the planes? Would people wake up and have a look at what happened in Iraq? How many people? It's huge. And I well, this is just around. one. This is one group, and they're entitled to do as they're doing. Um, who you know, Cove Palestine Solidarity Campaign. It's probably part of a, a national campaign. Um, so Palestine being the word here, they are doing this on behalf of Palestinians, not the Iran Iraq War, not Ukraine and Russia, uh, not no issues in Northern Ireland, historical problems we have. Something that's happening now. Yes. Okay. Right, and if we if we go back to the Iraq war, well, was Ireland in the Eurovision while we were fueling the planes? Was the UK in the Eurovision while they were um, um, dropping bombs from the sky, wiping out the figures are unbelievable? And how many Iraqi uh, um, there was millions displaced? Um, absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, but Iran and Iraq, how- Iran and Iraq wouldn't have been in Eurovision. Oh, oh, no, no, no. But, but who was... Wait, there, was, there, was, there was a point years ago, wasn't... Didn't, oh, didn't, no, didn't, no. didn't we, didn't oh. some people refuse for, at one stage, years back, to um, to eat Israeli oranges for a time, right? You remember the same kind of... There was a the big boycott in South Africa, I know of that, and you know the Dunstores workers and stuff. Um, so this isn't anything kind of new uh, when it comes to Ireland, um, you know, boycotting things. We we have done in the past... Oh, Iran in the record in you. Hold on, no, we need a second. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about um, Iran and Iraq as, as such being in the Eurovision. I'm talking about the people who dropped the bombs on them were in the Eurovision and we fueled the planes. Like, let's cut the hypocrisy now, you know. We, we fueled those planes in Shannon. Didn't America and, and, and the UK, didn't they go into Iraq? Didn't they claim? Didn't they claim? And no, nobody but had But listen to me, it, listen to me. They, didn't they claim that there was weapons in mass destruction, Neil? Hold on. You'd be, in right, you'd be in right big trouble with the Americans if you started to criticise them about planes and bombing in Iraq or Libya or places like that because uh, oh. we, we have very, very close economic ties with the Americans. We're very reliant on them. So these are the problems of the world. So the hypocrisy is okay because we're afraid to offend because we might lose, you know, don't offend, don't offend the UK because we rely on the markets. We listen to that all my life, okay. So the hypocrisy is okay then. This is the problem. So people rely on, on, on Israel's economy, you know, and connections with Israel. People rely on connections with Russia. So where do we, where does it all end? Okay, let me get you a couple. So, so are, are you in favour of Ireland participating in Eurovision? Because if we don't, we're hypocrites. Yes, that's okay. right. Okay, why should, thank you for that, much obliged, Mike. Why should innocent singers be denied participation in the Eurovision? We saw this blatant discrimination on the tennis circuit when Russian players were banned because of Ukraine. Absolutely disgraceful that this has been called for, says Maureen in Clonakilty. There was one particular year, I think it was, it was Wimbledon, when Totally Rogue one year uh, and banned Russian players. And then it kind of changed on the tennis circuit where Russian players are now allowed to play but not under a Russian flag. Wouldn't it be great if people took more time helping our own country than rather than helping others? Um, better nothing to do with their time than be talking about a boycott. Uh, this is nonsense. We're neutral. We're a small country. It's only the likes of America that can call a halt to a conflict like this. The lefties are getting involved in certain wars. Even Ukraine 
is supporting Israel. Uh, are we running out of flagpoles awaiting the next war, I wonder? Have I time? Yeah, one fast quick one here. I absolutely agree with your glass caller. I've seen horrific videos of genocide in Gaza over the last two months and children literally ripped to pieces. I've listened to videos of uh, IDF soldiers celebrating killing children. Um, I've seen Palestinians scream for help and the Israelis having barbecues at the border. There are videos of phosphorus bombs and drones with guns targeting civilians and children in residential streets and hospitals. I could go on and on. We should absolutely let it be known that we do not support this. Uh, also, just to note that your mail caller, John, now needs to educate himself on what's been going on for 75 years in Palestine and the amount of attacks that have occurred by Israel. In no way would I defend Hamas and what they did on October 7th, but in no way has this man actually taken the time to see what a lot of us have seen. We're following the reporters in Gaza on social media and watching what they've shown on the ground. The media in Ireland, though, are not showing what's really going on. And a final one for now, October 7th. What about the 75 years of torture that Israel has done to Palestinian people? So what does that man say about the IRA bombing in the 70s and 80s? Should England have decimated us because of that? Keep in common, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Thank you all for getting in touch on different topics of uh, conversation this morning. Uh, there's a lot. Anytime I mention the NCT, you can be damn sure people have their own stories. Can't come on air as I'm at work, but I know people who have left 20 euro in the car going for an NCT test. <laughs> I've heard that one as well in the past. That's a nonsense. That just cannot happen because the equipment down there, and people are honest working in the NCT. Come on. Um, much of the equipment is automated. You know, I mean, it thinks that like, like two thirds of the work is done by computers. <laughs> I got my car NCT'd a few weeks back and failed on a couple of small items. So I had to go back for a retest within 28 days. I couldn't get a date uh, within the 28 days. So I had to book another full test. Another one here. My daughter's car failed the NCT because a short little piece of steel brake pipe had a tiny bit of surface rust. It was only discoloured and not in any way corroded. I showed it to my mechanic and in one minute he rubbed off the discoloration with an oily rag. I took it back to the NCT for the retest and it then passed. The oily rag sorted it. The NCT is nothing more than a money machine and they seem to pick on cars of poor people that are not rich enough to shell out 40 grand. God help you when you rock in with your 2008 Yaris, even if it's perfectly roadworthy says Dan, who can't come on air. There's not, not, like, it's like 90% of NCT texts are, are negative, possibly even higher. But it's always by people probably who have failed the test. You yeah, know? Uh, yeah, but like, uh, like I, I, I was coming on to give you my story and what happened with my lovable Audi A3. And um, like I went in and uh, I got it. I got one of those pre NCT checks done with my uh, mechanic, who's a very good mechanic. And um, he said, "Look, he said, look, everything, everything's good to go. You're good to go now. Whatever it was, I paid for a few bits to be done. I think the brake discs or whatever." Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, long story short, took it to the NCT. It passed the brake test inspection, but it failed on what they call it a discrepancy. So it was like it was a human. The, the guy testing it, despite the fact that the the brakes actually passed the machine test the guy himself wasn't satisfied so he failed the car and do you and do you have an issue with that then just, it was, I think it was a discretionary sorry is this word I'm looking for visual it failed on a visual a discretionary fail right? a visual 
I don't know if it was a visual because a visual is more a di- the, Is it this, diagnostics failed you? Because no, the your di- mechanic does not have the diagnostics he, of the NCT. He, he actually does because <laughs> he used to do No, MOTs. he doesn't have a... Don't, well, he, well, he, doesn't he, has have a, he, has, he has the same machine at the NCT you have to do to test the brakes. Right, and he's got the rolling road? He doesn't have the rolling road but he has the brake tester. But he has the brake tester. This is the this is the point, right? He has the thing for testing the brakes. So do you think then that they have a quota of fails? Then? But like just, I just, I just going to finish. So I, the, the thing failed on the test. Uh, sorry, it passed the test, but the guy mechanic had failed it as a discretionary fail. Brought it back to my mechanic and said, "Come on, what's the story? Why did it fail?" He said, "No, everything within your thing limits. Don't do anything to the car. Just bring it back in and say nothing." Brought it back in, passed. Different tester the second time. Different tester. Yeah, so he didn't have a discretionary visual fail because he got a different tester, I suppose. But like, how how can something pass the machine test and still be failed? That's what I don't. This is why people are tech. This is why you're getting ninety percent of like. Negative NCT fails. I think if people saw there was real transparency in it, like I know you're allowed to look at. You them. get the form; it's printed out, and it but tells you, you. It gives you percentages and yeah. everything. Uh, but if your car, if my car, for example, passes the percentages, and I'm still told there was a discretionary fail, then I have no comeback to that. I have no way of going back to the no, NCT and saying no. But I actually passed. But at the end of the day, the mechanics have no skin in the game here. They're not out to get you. They're there to do their job. It doesn't matter to them. You know, yeah. they're not going to be have sleepless nights because you failed or passed. They're no, but why, but then the question: Why would you fail a car that's passed the machine? Like, if the machine says you're good to go, that's 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 within the limits allowed. Then why would a mechanic fail it? Okay, okay. That's I, and I'd love for an NCT mechanic to come in and if somebody wants to text in and tell me about you know, All right, maybe, maybe they'll NCT remember mechanic. my car and I'll be blacklisted for the rest of the time. I don't know, but like I just when I brought it to my mechanic, he said right. this happens sometimes. You're just bring just do nothing with it, bring it back in, and it passed. Let's hear anonymously then. Anonymously. Thanks, Kev. Anonymously from an NCT tester. I will never give out anybody's personal details. Or perhaps somebody who formerly worked as a mechanic with the NCT. Because you guys, or girls for that matter, I mean, do we, I assume we have female mechanics working in the NCT as well. Uh, text 0868104106. On, on crime and criminality and drugs, the last time I saw an Irish law about a new car or property, it said that if you can show how it was paid for, then it can be confiscated because of the proceeds of crime. That is still the same, and that's under cab. Uh, on drugs, as a parent, you're only made aware of the drug addiction when they need money for the drugs. If your son is on drugs, so are most of his friends. The city is awash with drugs, Neil, and most of the drug takers are functioning with their own addiction. It is ev- it's in everyone's home now, I can tell you. Don't ever think that your own son is not doing it. All the damage is done before the parents find out. And at that point, you're left with a shell of a son. Uh, that's a heavy-hitting text suggesting that all families, as in all sons, you say sons, I assume you mean daughters and sons, um, have in some way or shape or form dabbled or are dabbling in narcotics. How can they get the sort of drug problem when any fella that gets caught with over €13,000 gets two years in prison? Uh, the law is broken. If you're caught with big amounts of drug, you should serve the mandatory 10 years. That would be enough to scare off a lot of lads ever getting involved. But the truth is they get rewarded with small sentences and therefore they see it as a risk worth taking. Uh, judges and judging is a joke in this country. They break the law more than anybody with the sentences they give. Uh, just as a note on that, a person convicted of being possession of a controlled drug for the purpose of sale or supply over €13,000 in value should receive a minimum of 10-year sentence. Uh, That is the law. However, I have seen it many times, perhaps you have as well, 
in court reports that judges take all sorts of different things into consideration when handing out a sentence and unfortunately that can lead to somebody not receiving the minimum sentence as an example 10 years for supply of large quantity of drugs they can get reduced sentences as well because of it uh, so it's um it, it, it may be a law uh, but it's a law open to the interpretation of the judge on the day and the case before that judge. Lots on the Eurovision boycott and stories like that. I'll come back to the text on it in a few minutes time, but let me just get to calls because uh, quite a amount of people standing by. Katie, good morning. Hello, how are you? Good, I'll do text in a few minutes time. Your thoughts? Um, this started on a simple question. Should Ireland boycott Eurovision if Israel takes part? Go ahead. Yeah, I absolutely think it should. Look, we, you know, we didn't condone Russia taking part. Nobody did. And obviously that was because Russia declared war on Ukraine. This has gone far beyond a war. This is a genocide against the nation of people. Over 9,000 children have been murdered in three months. And I don't think Ireland can stand... Okay, now, can we stand, can we stand over that figure accurately, do you mind me asking? 9,000 children murdered in three months. Yeah. Um, it's on the news. It's on, you know, it's been shared off across all news channels. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Is that a yeah. Hamas? Is that um, a Hamas figure? Is that, that a Hamas that's figure? That's children. There's over twenty-two thousand innocent civilians have been murdered. Just last night, um, you know, the Israeli government told uh, the civilians to go to the south of Gaza, and they then bombed the south of Gaza. Um, they are bombing and they are attacking the innocent civilians. Okay. Whatever about the argument between the Israeli side, the Hamas side, that is not the issue here. The issue here is that we need a ceasefire, we need it now, and we need to stop the bombing and the killing of children, of women and of innocent civilians. And that is what we are trying to, you know, that is what we are running against. It's not, it, no, it's not actually political anymore. It's about stop the mur- mass murdering of children. Yeah, the BBC statistic that I found, and this is a BBC statistic, 22 Palace, 22,000 Palestinians, mostly women and children, have been killed in Israeli strikes on Gaza. Uh, but they are saying that that figure is from Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry. Um, I mean... And I'm, I'm, I don't mean to. I don't mean to take. I don't mean to take from the death. I'm not taking from the deaths at all. But it's about whether the figure is accurate or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm over laboring okay, well, the point. I would say to anyone who has any doubt on those figures to really look inside yourself. If that's what you're questioning true, right now, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Of children. Yeah. I have seen endless videos of injured children, of deceased children, of children with missing limbs. Yeah. You cannot fake that amount of videos. Just seeing. A few of those videos, you should know that this is wrong, and you should know that wrong wrong is being done. Yeah. Do you have stats for Israeli deaths or Israeli children or women or elderly? No, I don't, because it's far, it's far and few between. There is not a genocide, you know. There is not an attack on is. Israeli people happening right now. They are in Palestine. They are in Gaza. They are attacking children in their own homes in Gaza. These children are not attacking any Israeli people, are they? So no, there is no statistics because the children that are being murdered are not attacking any Israeli people, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, Palestinians, Look, mother, Palestinians under the guise of Hamas are firing rockets into Israel. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, not all the rockets are one way. That's all I'm saying. Not all the rockets are one way. But if we want to get lost in this of who's right and who's wrong, then we are just allowing more children to be murdered. All I am saying is, stop the rockets both ways. 
get these children to safety. There are thousands of orphaned children now vulnerable to sexual abuse, vulnerable to physical, any physical abuse. And they, and they what have no difference, parents. What difference? Parents okay, I understand. People need to be brought to safety. There needs to be a ceasefire. I, I don't care about people's political views on this. I care about the murder of the innocent people. And what and difference? What difference would whether or not we boycott the Eurovision make? I mean, what difference anyway? To what say, for instance, marches on a Saturday in Cork make the march on a Saturday in Cork because it's up to us. Our government's hands are tied. Well, they feel their hands are tied because the Israeli government controls a lot of the world's economy. So it's now it's up to us to stand and say we don't believe in this. This is exactly what civilians in Hitler's times would have said, or what difference would it make if we we don't do anything? We are being misled by our government, who is doing nothing. But that does not mean that what's happening is correct. Yeah. Okay. The government knows that this is wrong. Yeah. Okay. It's up to us, the okay. people. We have to stand up and say it's wrong. Okay. You know? okay. Appreciate that. By te- thank you for that. Much obliged, Katie. By text to oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talking with Olivia earlier on. Has she forgotten about the twelve hundred people murdered at the peace concert in October? I pity Gaza, and it is awful. But I understand Israel's response. Uh, where was she when Hamas kept the people in slavery in a constant state of war for thirty years? No country would care if we didn't enter the Eurovision, Neil. They don't vote for us anyway. It would save RTE a fortune. Another person suggesting, because this all started with regards to Eurovision, tell that poor girl not to worry, Ireland won't get anywhere in Eurovision anyway. If only the warring parties knew about the marches in Cork on Saturdays, the war would stop straight away, right? I think that's being somewhat um, sarcastic. Uh, You've given the anti-Israeli woman a shameful amount of vitriol on air without any challenge. Well, forgive me if you felt I didn't challenge enough. I believe that I did. Uh, But we can always do better, I suppose. Regarding Israel committing to wiping out Hamas, it's it's the same as the British government blanket bombing Northern Ireland to wipe out the paramilitaries. It's madness, isn't it, when you put it into that kind of a context? Keep in coming. Text 0868-104-106. Rafiq, good morning. Yeah, good morning, sir. Okay, so I'm not 100% sure as to where your conversation will go with me. I know you're a taxi driver in Cork. Yeah, I am. Um, Yeah, I'm just uh, responding to your, uh, well, when I uh, heard you a few minutes back with the two, three, two gentlemen and one woman on the radio, a Jew probably, who is... uh, Telling and just a um, few things, and I just responding one of his comment, and um, that he asked you, asked the uh, Irish Israel, Irish peacekeeping soldiers who was on the who was on the ground in the Israel before and uh, Palestine, uh, what's the ground? No, uh, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not following you, Rafiq. You want to you want to tell a particular story? Is is that right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Because it's it's respond to Joe's comment. Yes. That he uh, he he said ask one of the Irish soldiers who was in Palestine in peacekeeping mission. Yeah. So I'm just responding on that comment. Uh, the story is like uh, uh, once I had a, a passenger uh, who is who served in Palestine from Ireland. He was a soldier. Okay. In peacekeeping mission, and he told me that um, you know the. Uh, um, Palestinian um, children they throw stones to the Israeli soldiers towards them. They don't even touch it, or probably sometimes, and they responded with the uh, guns and things. So he said this. this so an Irish soldier he, said that he witnessed um, Palestinian children yeah. throwing stones across the the border, if you like, at the Israeli army, yeah. and and the Israeli army yeah. uh, uh, they responded how. 
they said they found out the, the one of the boy that they, they saw the throne the stone and they found out why in his house and this the 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 detective house and then the during the night they came uh, with a concrete mixer ready mix and they they start pumping the concrete in the house and the parents had to get out and they filled the whole house with the full of concrete uh, mixture okay. and they were no how no way to go no way to leave okay so i'm um, just explaining the he asked you to ask one of the so that the proportion of that act is way, like uh, way beyond the uh, it's disproportionate uh, to throwing stones yes proportion is uh, yeah. thrown to the um, this, this kind of so today is the scale is the same or uh, what the hitler did to the Okay. Jews, Jews is like returning back to the uh, similar, uh, repeating back to the Palestine. Okay, no, I, I'm happy. I'm happy. To, I'm happy for you to make that that uh, that point. It's not a great phone line, so I'll move on. But thank you for it. It's uh, a difficult phone line. Uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I know that Ahmed Madi uh, is originally from Palestine. He's living here and has been for uh, how long? Have you, how long are you living here, Ahmed? Hi. Um, you mean in Cork? Yeah. How long since you left? Yeah, since you left yeah, Gaza? Uh, uh, it's been like a year, so I came here to Cork like last uh, in November twenty two. Okay, okay. Uh, directly from Gaza to, to here to Ireland, Cork. Okay. Do you work in Do you work in medical research here? I believe is that right? Yeah, um, I'm originally a dentist, but I have masters in uh, public health and research uh, from the UK. Uh, but I work now as a uh, researcher in cancer research. Mm. We've been talking this morning as to whether or not Ireland should boycott Eurovision if Israel takes part of it, takes part in it. You are Palestinian and um, uh, your words then, not mine, you say your life was turned upside down since October 7th, I would imagine, because um, uh, you've got family still back home, right? Our family is still back in Gaza um, and uh, they're not safe, Uh, they're not okay. Uh, last time I spoke with them was uh, yesterday night, and uh, it's just they're they're scared for their lives. Like the whole um, moment, uh, like only sheltering in in a like a far relative uh, place in because our house was bombed twice. Because uh, our house in the northern side of Gaza, they evacuated, um, and it was bombed. So the situation is just too dire. And are they trapped there, or could they have got away when many others did and chose not to, or what? They got away from where, like from the northern side, or yes, from Gaza yeah, because and, people like, were being people were being told to get down to the south, uh, and many oh, did yeah, leave did. Gaza. Oh yeah, they did. So my family evacuated like ten days after the war started, and just you know, like like to be like they miraculously uh, managed to evacuate because the house was bombed just couple of minutes after they evacuated from the house they were still near the house like meters away and while they were in the car uh, bombed like the glass of the the car was all shattered and my little sister got a little bit of like you know the shattered glass in her face and she was a little bit injured have you young brothers and sisters yeah so we're six uh, siblings in total it's not a great phone line again, unfortunately. How old are your brothers and sisters? Um, so my eldest uh, brother is, uh, he's not in Gaza. He's, he's in Qatar. He's 34. Mm. And then there's my sister. She's 32. Uh, there's then there's my brother, Abdullah. He's uh, around 30, 31. And then there's me. I'm 28. And then there's uh, my little brother. Uh, he's 
uh, around 22, and the youngest is Rania. She's uh, 18. But then you would have nieces and nephews, I believe, belonging to your brothers and sisters, and they would be um, 9, 8 and 3. That is... Yeah, well, not three. Um, Three-year-old Karim. Yeah, Karim. Yeah, Karim is is around like two to three years old. Yeah, yeah. and I also have a, a nephew uh, who's one year old. Okay. Uh, What's li- and what are living conditions for them like now? <sighs> well, the quality of life is just basically below the line that you can describe, and any any, any description that you can give, it's just it's. It's unbelievable. People are starving in Gaza. There is no food. There is no clean water to drink. There is even not even water to just to have a shower. You know, it 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 became a luxury just to have a shower. There is no water. Uh, as I said, my family is sheltering in one of my far relatives' place, which is a very crowded place at the moment because a lot of people are sheltering also in that place. There's around 150 people in the same place, and you can imagine. Um, so they only can, have, like when it comes to food and stuff, the, the only food they can have is what they can get from the aids that come into Gaza, which are very, like, very uh, scarce amount. Of, there are very scarce amounts of, of, of food. So sometimes they get uh, some the little food, but there are other days when there is nothing at all. That is correct. That is correct. And when you have a big family, it's just you have rations of food every day, and that's the best you can uh, you know, my, my sister told me that she had to give up a ration for a couple of days just to feed her. Uh, her uh, and what would, a, what would a ration of food be? Can you describe what it would be? Uh, well, from told me once, so sometimes there is like, you know, like a loaf of bread and uh, some cheese that they can get from, um, uh, from the AIDS. Um, there will be some jam. I think they got some jam at one point. It's all like you know, the canned stuff, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the, the, the the sort of things that you can that you can store for a long time and like you know, and like it's spoiled. Uh, but anything that that requires refrigerating is just like they cannot they cannot. They so can't anything that would require survive. refrigeration or electricity or cooking, all of that is a no no. Uh, fresh water, fresh you, or they can. Make it. No, well, that's that's the thing. To, to like to make some fire and like put a pan fire yes and, oh yes certainly yeah, with fire, fire but, yeah, but, but no electricity exactly but no cooking gas yeah no electricity no cooking gas yeah okay what about the quality of water because we hear about an awful lot of disease now that is correct so uh, well since I work also in public health uh, so the situation is, is just unbelievable there are a lot of infectious diseases spreading around a lot of people uh, in Gaza because like what diseases so I heard some reports of uh, a lot of uh, virus, you know, infections that spread to people. Herpes simplex one, called herpes simplex one, herpes simplex two, and I heard some reports uh, from the Ministry of Health in Gaza reporting some cases of um, uh, of hepatitis uh, infections. Um, I heard one guy, like on Twitter, but I just don't have it confirmed that uh, there was cases of uh, of malaria uh, spreading because the water is just too contaminated uh, with the sewage water in Gaza. 
So it's like every kind of disease that you can think of that uh, spreads through, like you know, the, like contamination, is like all people in Gaza will be. Okay, so, so the, yeah, so the, yeah, you're breaking up a little yeah. bit. So the bombing, of course, is just an intolerable thing to have to put up with, um, and clearly loss of life because of that. But I was reading from some relief organisation this morning the disease has taken hold. It could be cholera, typhoid, tuberculosis, many sanitation-borne diseases that are spreading exponentially. That is that is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Um, so these these kind of uh, uh, in places where people are uh, they don't have like you know uh, access to clean water or uh, sanitation uh, where people where pe- yeah where people are like where, they, where these areas are very crowded you know so you have these camps where there's like Unfortunately, that phone line. Hold, hold on there, see if I can improve that phone line so we can finish the conversation. Back after the break. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. So we'll flip to WhatsApp and see if it's any clearer for Ahmed. Can you hear me now, Ahmed? Yeah, I can hear you. Can hear oh, me that's much, much better. WhatsApp is a way to go. Um, so all of your family are there, as I say, and we, we've covered that. You must feel very helpless mm-hmm. being here in Cork, having to, um, you know, ha- having to live with the knowledge of what they're going through on a daily basis for like five months now. Um, Four anyway. Yeah, well, it's been it's, it's been around three months at the mm-hmm. moment uh, since October 7th. It started Um yeah, it's, it's just the helplessness. It just kills me every day. You know, there's nothing I can do to help. Like, even if I want to send uh, any kind of aid or anything, it just won't get in. Uh, there are like more than 10,000 trucks of aid uh, on the border with Egypt at the moment, not allowed to get in. Like, only like, uh, I think 100 to 150 are allowed a day. Well, why aren't they, they are, just like, allowed in all of them? It's humanitarian aid. Why wouldn't they be left? No, who's, I, not, who's not letting them in? It's the Israelis. They have to. Uh, they have to search them first, and they allow like a certain number of trucks a day to be searched, and then. Uh, so basically, they're on the border with Egypt. It's through the Rafah border. So they allow. They tell them to go through the uh, Karma Busalim. It's like another border with the Israelis. So they have to go to that uh, border, so the second border, them, for the Israelis yeah, to yeah. search them. And then, yeah, and then you can, then they have to go back, which is so like the distance back and forth is around two hundred kilometers. So it takes a lot of a lot of time for each truck to go back and forth uh, from the Rafah border. So that's why it takes a lot of time, and uh, they only allow certain number of trucks a day. But if there was a so, will, do you believe that there could be a way to get more aid in faster? Do you think that this oh, is... Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. They, they can speed in the, the process like, you know, uh, very very quickly, you know. I mean, like these trucks have been already been searched, like, you know, uh, and they have, they have been sent like by the World Food uh, Programme and by the, the UNICEF, by like international organisations. Like, you know, I think these really are just making like some excuses um, because they're using starvation and and um, and lack of water as a weapon uh, against the uh, the Palestinians in Gaza, and this is this is what they have said, like you know, even in, in their Knesset and in, in, um, in their parliament, like uh, like. Did, I, did, I did they did they say that in the Israeli ago. parliament? It, it it was said, yeah, and I have the video of it. It was just like it was said like a couple uh, three days ago. 
they're weaponizing uh, this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's, is, that's is it the a case the that Israelis believe that Palestinians are harboring what they would call Hamas terrorists, and that's the consequence of it? Uh, that's that's what they say. I mean, uh, I wouldn't take anything. As they say, for granted, to be honest, and I don't want to get very political here, but uh, like we've been like through this for many, many years, and we know, like we we certainly know what they what they say. And I lived in Gaza for twenty five years, and that is not the case. I can tell you for sure that is not the case. Yeah, it's that we have the West Bank, which is one particularly large area, and then Gaza is the tiniest little strip of land right out to the sea. And one side of it is Egypt. Clearly, Gaza is stuck right up on all of the border with Israel itself. But there is a crossing there. Like, are are people leaving from Gaza? Because there's a Gazan border with Egypt, the Rafah crossing. Yeah. Yeah, so the Rafah crossing is a very complicated kind of crossing. It's not a normal one. Um, so in the normal days, uh, it's, so it's, it's closed most of the year, but it would open like for a month or two or three, it just it depends on the mood of the Egyptian, uh, authorities, you know, uh, but when it's open, people can travel freely, although like they make it very difficult, but still it's manageable. So you can register with the ministry of interior affairs in Gaza and then you're, oh, you just can't walk to, over to the border. Out. Oh no! I'm um, no, no. They can't. You have to register, and then your name will like will be announced on a like particular list, uh, like a month or two after. Uh, but there is a shortcut is that you can have an agency that is collaborating with the Egyptian authorities. You can pay extra money, and you can get your name on the list on the second day. Oh, so, so it's all about money. What kind of money? Yeah. Oh well, it depends. So on the normal days, it was like a thousand US dollars. This is what I did. What I did pay, you know, in order to get out and come here to Ireland, I paid a thousand US dollars. Um, but nowadays, uh, like during the war, the border is shut and no one is able to go out unless you have a unless you're a citizen of another country. If you you have a passport other than a Palestinian one, then you can contact your the embassy. Okay, but let's just deal with if you're Palestinian. Yep. Oh, if you're Palestinian, then you cannot go out. But the only way you can do it is uh, through payment, which is a very unofficial thing. But it's not at one thousand US dollars anymore. The last I heard, it was eight thousand US dollars for one per person. Talk about exploitation in the time of need. Yeah, that's that's the current situation, and that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. Well, you're trying uh, to get trying your to family funds. out, but like, there's, yes. there's so many of them. That's tens of thousands of euro you'll be paying at eight thousand euro per person, dollars per person. I honestly don't care. I, the only thing I care about at the moment is my family's safety, and I'm so desperate. Uh, every day, they're. Uh, like they're endangered and like they could die every day, like any day, you know? So I'm, I'm so desperate. I don't care if I have to pay a hundred or 200,000 euros. I just want my family to be safe. And that's is, this is my pure focus. I can worry about other things when I guarantee their safety. And like my entire family is there. Like, what, what do you, like, what do you expect me to do? Like, like seriously, like what are the other options I can do? Like keep worrying about their safety and they, that and they could doing get killed yeah. anytime. Yeah. I mean, I lost, I lost more than 10 of my friends so far, my close friends in Gaza. 
they died, they were killed brutally. And I lost 12 of my cousins in one night. My first cousins, they, they, they were killed in one night. They were sheltering in a hospital. It was, it's a family run hospital. It's a maternity hospital. It's called Mahdi Maternity Hospital. They were sheltering inside the hospital. They were sheltering inside the hospital and they bombed the hospital. And my cousins were killed. Two of them are gynecologists. They're doctors. And the entire family of one of them. My God. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read about hospital rocket attacks, I have, but I've never spoken to somebody who had people who lost lives on them. That's dreadful. That's dreadful. You all right? Yeah, that's... So this is the, the, the current situation. So I don't care if I, if I have to pay money to get my family out. If that saves them, then I'm willing to do it. I'm more than willing to do it. That's would, the only option. Yeah. What, would it, what would it take for this to stop and to end, do you think? Oh, what would it take to stop? It takes a decision by, by the Israeli government. That's, that's what it takes. But they can't live in fear of Hamas anymore. They have to protect their own civilians from Hamas attack. What are they, how are we going to resolve yeah, this? Yeah, I think the only, well, the only solution that they have is a, through diplomatic negotiation. And that's, that's what I think what Hamas has offered, like all along, you know, like exchange of prisoners or whatever. But through war, they've been, like, we've been having these struggles for years and years. Like, I, I was in Gaza and I witnessed, I was there in 2008 when, the, when we had a war. Um, and then in 2012, we had war for seven days. And then in 2014, we had wars for 52 days. And 2018, there was a war. And there was a war also in 2021, but I wasn't there. I was in the UK, but still, like, we're having, like, a war every two, three, four years. So th- this is not a way of living, you know. Mm-hmm. This is not a way, like, you know, to, to live your life. Mm-hmm. So I think the only way forward is through peace, which is a diplomatic solution, you know. Uh, just grant the Palestinians, like, their 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 state. We want our state. That's That's what all Palestinians want, you know. And just Israel does not want this. They don't want the Palestinians to have it. Like even, you know, like uh, the government, the Israeli government at the moment is is a a far-right government and it's very opposed to a Palestinian state. And each time the Israelis were close to having a deal with the Palestinians to, to have a state, something wrong happens like the first time it was with rabin in the in the 90s when mm-hmm. uh rabin is the the um the former prime minister so when he was so close to having a deal with yasser arafat uh the the uh, our president back then uh, rabin was assassinated by a far-right uh guy you know and then the second time it was Olmert, and okay. i think it was around 2006 he was politically like when he was so close to having like to having a deal with 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 abu mazen our uh, current president he was politically ass- assassinated and he was indicted you know and went to court so he was uh, taken off his position wow. so something wrong is happening for, here for so long and it seems so hopeless but yet you have 8000 children this is the t- statistic that i'm working with killed in in gaza um you know, and tens of thousands injured and many, many children orphaned. Um, it's like, a, like, like even, even, even burying 8,000 children uh, amongst the rockets and the debris. It's, it's hard to comprehend, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Uh, I think the, the numbers and figures are much higher than than we're seeing. Like the official figures do not account for the people who are still under the rubble. I think they're about there are about like eight or ten thousand people that are still under the rubble. You know, because they could not be like this. This rubble could not be dug because we, like we don't have the equipment. You know, there is no. There's no gas, uh, I mean, petrol, you know, to run the vehicles to dig, like, you know, beneath the rubble. So a lot of people, thousands of people are still beneath the rubble. So uh, I think these are not accounted for. So the numbers are much, much higher, like the number of the dead people, uh, children and more. I mean, like more than more than 40 percent of the population of Gaza is children. So this is this is what you get when you when you when you have indiscriminate bombing, you know. Then you have other families having to mind the children of parents who have died. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who works in the hospital, like a doctor. Uh, He works in the emergency department. And I was talking to him the other day and he told me that there uh, there was a little child who lost all of her family, all of her family members. And now they're taking care of her, you know. She was injured and then she woke up. She was in a coma and then she woke up and uh like she eventually knew that their her whole family uh were killed i think she was 9 or 10 years old and now she's being taken care of in the hospital by the nurses and the medical staff because she has nowhere to go and like she has no relative to take care of her and this is the case for many 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 more children but are many of the hospitals inactive and bombed or without fuel or without electricity or without running water and the sanitation you would need to run a hospital Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the hospitals are like most of them are shut down. I think there are very few. They're still run and 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 going, especially in the southern uh, side in Khan Yunis and Rafah. I think there are a couple of hospitals there that are still running. Um, they do get some fuel from the aid uh, that is getting into Gaza, but that is limited to the southern area of Gaza. So yeah, I think that's how the, the, yeah. the yeah the hospitals are but, still be able to run. Yeah, but they're very crowded. Like they're very like the hospitals are just uh, they're working at like five hundred percent of their capacity. People are they don't have beds, and and this would be to tr- tr- trying to treat yeah. people. Firstly, with injuries from rocket and bomb attacks, yeah. But secondly, then trying to treat people with disease. Oh, yeah. So people, this is what my friend also told me. I think he told me like there are thousands of people in Gaza who have chronic diseases, you know, like even like before the war, people who have chronic disease like diabetes and, and hypertension and other kind of stuff. They're unable to be treat to be treated. You know, they don't have the drugs to uh, like the medicines to to treat them, and they're not able to get their like checkups or like you know they're um, uh, they're having any kind of complication or anything. They're not able to go to the hospital to get treated because the hospitals are overwhelmed with the uh, with the injured people. So, and even like among the injured people, you'll find people who like the, the medical staff are um, are prioritizing uh, patients like you know like he told me that there was a case like multiple cases actually of people like and say like that's a hopeless case we can't save him then like that they're dealing with a triage kind of thing so they're like that's a hopeless case we can't save him to just give him medication to to uh, to alleviate the pain and just move to another patient who yeah. we can save because we don't have the medical staff to uh, to treat all of these and we don't have the equipment and we don't have the like the space like in, in, in the hospital to treat all of these patients so this is the current situation you know the hospitals are overwhelmed and with each bombing there is an influx of patients and these patients have nowhere to go I've seen videos and pictures of people in the corridors of the hospitals yeah. 
you know, sitting in the corridors of the hospital because they have no beds. Like I was, I was comparing it. Like it's only, it's a tiny, tiny strip of land. It's about a quarter the size of County Leitrim, which is which is tiny in itself anyway in Ireland. It's about the size of Loch Ney, but yet you have like three quarters of a million people call it home, right? Oh yeah. So the population of Gaza is two point two million people. Uh, they all live in in that. It, 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 Gaza is a very small piece of land, but we it's all like call it home. And Forty-five we all love it. square it's kilometers. Like it's yep. tiny. It's tiny. Yeah, it is very tiny. Like the the longest uh, you can drive from south to north in Gaza is, I think, it's just like a forty-five kilometers. So it's like a thirty minutes drive. That's like the furthest you can go. You know, from south to north or from north to south. <laughs> so it is very uh, very tiny piece of land. But um, yeah, and, and it is, it's actually the most densely populated area on the planet that is in Gaza, on the planet, because you have 2.2 million people living in this really tiny strip of land. Yeah, so it is overcrowded and we know it, but we still love it. It's, it's our home. And, and you are fundraising to get your family out. Um, yeah. The, the lads are telling me you have a GoFundMe called Help Me Evacuate My Family in Gaza Into Safety. And you have a target set on that of about €70,000. It's a huge amount of money. I know it is, but as I told you before, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to bring my family into safety. I need to evacuate my family, at least into Egypt, and then we can figure something out, but I need to guarantee their safety. The bombings in Gaza are everywhere. My God, my family right now, they're in the south, but it's not even safe. Like just yesterday, there were like three bombings in Rafah, in, 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 in the southern side of Gaza. So there's nowhere to be called safe. Um, this the, the, the quality of life and the situation in Gaza is unbelievable. So, okay. How do you eat, communicate with, each, with them? Yep. I know I'm bombarding you with questions, but can you phone them or can you WhatsApp them or... Well, it, it depends. So some, sometimes, sometimes like the, uh, they, so most of the day they don't have any connection. Uh, the phones are not working because the cellular data, most of the cellular towers have been destroyed. But at some point they can go to a different area and they might be able to have some, some connection. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context. So in Gaza, there is no uh, 3G or 4G or 5G connections to the internet, like cellular data. It, it runs on 2G because the Israelis won't allow the equipment for 3G and 4G internet through the like you know the SIM cards to be activated in Gaza so we only run on 2G which is which has no connection to the internet it's only calling so uh sometimes I will be able to call them but most of the time I won't so my family what you they usually do is that they go my brother just goes um like walks for like 30 minutes into a place where they do have connection to the internet through an eSIM that is connected to the um, uh, the cellular towers in Egypt, and the guy just distributes the internet to whoever pays them. So they have to pay to get connection to Wi-Fi, mm. and then I'll, I'll be able to call them or text them on WhatsApp just to make sure they're okay. Is it, so I is it like possible for me in the next couple of days to talk to your brother? Do you think a connection could be made? I don't think so because even the connection, like the quality of the connection I have, is like really, really bad. Uh, like I, I cannot sustain a call for like more than two minutes, to be honest. So, I, like for in these two minutes, I'll just ask like, "How are you? Are yeah, you okay? okay?" And they just have to comfort me, okay. like we're okay, we're alive, and okay. and that's about it. But while you are very upset and clearly tearful a, a little while ago, 
You sound very composed. Why aren't you angry? Oh, I am angry. Right? Yeah. I think at, at some point I, I'm keeping my composure at the moment because I'm I'm the one who's supposed to support my family in this in this kind of crisis, you know. So if I break down in front of them, I think like I, I, I would I would be very that would be very disgraceful for me to do it. I need to be the one who would be offering support to them because they're going through a lot. So if I break down. I'll be betraying their trust in me. So I think I have to, at least for now, like keep keep my composure and be a little bit um, like, okay. at, at, at least I need to know how to, how to, um, okay. how to go around this, you know, but you know, I, you I know, know, you know I know deep you... down. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, like, what I'm saying like, is I know deep down that I am going to, to break down at some point. I'm just trying to delay it as much as I can okay. until I can guarantee that my family is safe and then I can, just go to a therapist or anything, but I know deep down, like you know, there's there, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. Inside. Just finally, just finally, because I'm I'm out of time, unfortunately. But one one way that would end this would be for Hamas to release all of the hostages and then for Hamas to surrender. Yeah, that's what they're saying, but yeah. uh, I don't think Hamas Hamas will do it. So it's just as easy as that. They will not do it because. They have their own goals as well. But what do so. the people of Palestine want? Your, you, your father, your mother, your brothers and sisters, your nieces and your nephews? Would they like Hamas to I, surrender? I honestly do not know. I do not speak of, like, you know, on behalf of all people, because I can speak for myself or at least for my family. And what we want is peace. I don't know how or I'm, I don't actually, we do not care how or why or like, you know, whatever, how you're going to achieve peace, but we just want peace, you know? Okay. We just want to be, we just want to live peacefully, you know? Okay. Okay. I, it's something that I really want. I really want to live in Gaza. I really will. Like, it's my hometown, you know? It just pains me to leave Gaza, but I had to because of the circumstances okay. that we're having in Gaza. Okay. But it, it it's our home. And if I was able to live in Gaza peacefully, if I can have a good quality of life, I would never leave Gaza, you know. Okay. So that's the situation of my family. And I think it's the situation for many, many more families. Okay. You know, okay. they just want peace and prosperity. Okay. Uh, do, do stay in touch, um, Ahmed. But for now, let me give out details of the GoFundMe. Should people want to go and check it out and help with your plight to get your family out of uh, southern Gaza but uh, thank you for taking the call much obliged to you stay in touch alright thank you ok Cheers, bye for you. now that's Ahmed with a GoFundMe call help me evacuate my family in Gaza into safety should you wish to contribute it's a GoFundMe uh, the target is 70,000 euro it stands at 17,629 euro back after the break you're listening to Court's number one talk show I just think he's a brilliant interviewer the Neil Prenderville show on Court's Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, Covering a lot of ground tomorrow today. Tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow is Friday. uh, So therefore we'll be doing this and lots more besides. But it being Friday, you will have an opportunity to win for yourself uh, tickets for the Cork Opera House Panto. Jack and the Beanstalk is running until the uh, 21st of uh, January and we're part of it. And the whole idea is to get family, to get passes out to people who come up with the best chat-up lines because spit's not...
The lovable bumbling baddie is looking for a girlfriend and he's looking for the girl of his dreams and he wants the worst chat-up line uh, possible um, and God knows I've been getting enough of them. I'm going to do a whole read of them tomorrow morning on the programme. So for your opportunity to win a pair of tickets for Jack and the Beanstalk, you need to text me your worst chat-up line uh, and we'll pick some winners on that tomorrow on Friday's programme. So text 868 104 106 on that one. It's a cracking panto. I'm getting great reports back on it. It really is uh, just rocking them in the aisles at the uh, Cork Opera House. So that's tomorrow, amongst other things. For all of the business, and I see lots of texts and emails and calls that will come back to tomorrow on various topics. Keep them coming. Email neil at uh, redfm.com. Dot IE. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and as always text 0868104106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM.